Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Duty role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The scenario is Cerulean Halo. It was written by Matthew Sanderson, and it's from a collection called Mythos Expedition. It's available from Amazon.com. This, uh, our game master is Matthew Sanderson, and this is episode three. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Matthew. Right, thank you very much, Tom. So, as we left it, the first mate of the ship is ripped a hole in his hand as an accident with a nail and a hammer. Blood splattered onto the ground inside the cave where they're trying to set up this rigging around a boulder to move it. And as he's to do as a sailor does, turning the air very blue around him, everyone is just suddenly staring at this pool of blood on the floor, which is being sucked into the sand. We'll start it off with a stability check, please. So this is a, yeah. uh, a Mythos Shock. So this is a target number of five. Sure. You can elect to spend points on this before you roll to help mitigate any uh, potential loss if you think it's going to be greater than five. Uh, or you can roll and see uh, see what happens and gamble to hope it might be less than what you want to spend. I've already down so much stability. Two points into my roll here. Am I there or am I on the ship? No, uh, you are currently at the base camp, so we'll get back to you in a sec. You are you are spared this this particular site. Right. I'm I'm going to spend two points, and that's stability, correct? Yep, right. that's it. So total, I got five. I can't I can't afford to spend. I just got <laughs> gotta hope. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not too bad. Well, a one. Good thing I didn't Whoa. spend anything. That's not good. <laughs> okay. And did I hear that Dr. Marshall was also spending a couple? Yeah, I spent two stability and I rolled a three, giving me a five. Okay, in which case then, Dr. Wyatt and Dr. Marshall, you're both fine. You hit the target number, so no further losses for you. Um, Bethany loses three. Oh, gosh. Fascinating, uh, Dr. Carl. <laughs> do you see this? Mm-hmm. This is this is amazing. I, there, it, it's like a filter. I mean, yes, must be very absorbent. Um, so I, I go down there with my little ge- geological survey uh, uh, trowel and just kind of scoop a little to the not right in the middle of it. I'm not getting my hand into where the blood was, but like to the side and dig in at an angle to kind of see what's what's down there filtering this. And maybe oh, it's. I, I, I can't watch. I am yeah, you're getting out of this cave. I am. She's not a scientist, so you can't expect her to be completely you know, impartial. This is fascinating. Right. Uh, you, in which case, as, as Beverly pulls out, uh, kind of rushes out of the, uh, out of the cave, uh, going somewhat white, um, you can bump into uh, dear old Peter, who's finally uh, not projectile vomiting all over the place, and is uh, and he seems to have finally uh, come to at least his stomach has finally settled down a bit that he can get out and move and walk around and take in some of the air. Uh, you've you're in, down in the southwest part of the island near where the the old uh, one of the old digging uh, mining sites was, and after uh, our dear nurse uh, nurse Lyon. I said, yeah, we better get out and get a little bit of air. Just uh, take it easy on the fluids. But if you feel like you're up for a walk, then you can do so. 
And, you know, a, a bunch of the crew have gone off to the, the Clipperton Rock to a cave where they want to try and move this boulder because everyone at the goddamn camp is saying about how they think there's buried treasure on the other side of this boulder. And that's when you bump into uh, to Beverly outside. I'll get to uh, Dr. Marshall in a sec. Oh, I, sorry. Sorry, Richard. I didn't see you there. Hey. Look like I did this morning. Are you okay? Uh... No, yet yeah. I pat your shoulder. Take it easy. I don't even know what to what to even what to even say. Uh, I'll I'll fill you in on a little bit of it, like as a side to where we can't be like the people in the cave that don't know right. over here. But I'll I'll tell you about the um. At the, uh, the, the, how I went to some government camps in Innsmouth, or the people of Innsmouth, they, they look like fish people, and I've seen, we've seen, like, there were, like, claw marks of, like, some creatures have clawed on our way into their boat, tried to break into stuff, and how they've killed, they've been killing and hauling sharks, um, onto the beach, but there wasn't any blood, we didn't find any blood, and now a, a crew member's hurt himself. And his blood has just been completely absorbed by the sand. Like that's, something's not right with this place. I'm a little a anxious to get out of here. <laughs> peculiar. Are, are, are you okay for a moment? Let me see if the gentleman needs help. All right. Pe peering into the cave, then, so over uh, Beverly's shoulder, you can see Dr. Marshall digging down at the ground. And yeah, Carl, as you're digging down, um, you catch up with the blood that eventually after maybe about a foot, two foot down, um, you hit rock. So this is evidently what was an old lava channel coming out of here. The blood goes straight down to the stone and then starts to flow under the bolt towards and under the boulder. It just says, goes down and then takes this, a 90 is... degree turn and starts moving Towards that, towards that tunnel. It, what, what's it? This makes no sense. That the the blood is traveling. It's not just falling. It's it's actually seems to have motion. Look at but, this. Come here, Doctor Wyatt. It must be some sort of like uh, osmotic uh, uh, effect of the the sand. Um, I mean, blood doesn't travel. It must be being drawn for some reason. I can't think of what would draw it, though, unless... High, high iron content in the blood, if there's some sort of magnetic... Uh, no, no, iron in blood is non-ferrous. It doesn't... Uh, yeah. It's not attracted by magnets. But um, it, it's almost like capillary action, like it's being drawn down, like, like water is drawn up into a tree. Um, yeah. The, the blood is being drawn down towards the rock, a very strange effect of physics. I wish we had somebody who was a, who was a physics professor. Well, I didn't see what happened. Pour some water from your canteen. Maybe it's just the way it's sure. angled. Well, water's harder to follow down. because it's sand, so. That definitely goes down. Does, does the water flow down the same way? Yeah, if, you, if you 
empty part of a canteen or a bottle. I mean, people, plenty of people here have got their own their own water supply. That just seems to just drop onto the sand. It even puddles there for a moment or two. It doesn't exhibit the, anything near the same pattern as the blood does. That's very strange. Yeah, we, we need a. This isn't a geological. Uh, uh, this is, there must be some sort of biological reaction going on there. I've never in my entire uh, career as a geologist run into anything like this. Before. Well, let's 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 move away from the crew. Let them continue working. Um, let's let's do a you know, for scientists. Let's do an experiment. And I, I pull out like I, I'll assume I have like a pen knife or something, mm -hmm. and I'll just I'll just you know a little bit on my finger, and then you know squeeze out a drop of blood onto the onto the sand, mm -hmm. and see what happens. Okay, so not enough to do any any real damage, so don't have to worry about losing any yeah. health or anything like that. But yeah, you you do a small slice, you squeeze, you drop, it lands on the sand, and then is sucked down. Chemically, hemoglobin or or, or sodium, or, uh, it's it's remarkable. This is astounding. This this is the, the biggest find and, and mystery. Uh, to, well, next to the, the footprints, I'm not. No one's around. It's just us, right? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Nurse, uh, our, our our resident nurse. Maybe she has some knowledge of medical that might. Well, it's an interesting phenomenon. We'll have to write this up in our uh, Rich, journals. Richard, uh, Peter, uh, we're, we're not sure if it's a good idea for you to land your plane in the in the lagoon. Um. Well, luckily I wasn't feeling too well, so I didn't move the move the plane over yet. It hasn't um, even been put together, no. I should. Um... The, the birds, the birds completely avoid it. It's it's uncanny. The crabs too. Nothing. Nothing seems to want to go into the water. Really. We should test it to see if there are microbes. Um, we've got uh, we've got some equipment. Um, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll test it and see what what we've got going in the water. Now we know that that people have survived on the island drinking the water, even though it's considered not very good. Yeah, it's all the records that you had said that it's pretty much universally described as brackish, that it's not palatable. In fact, water from the coconuts is more palatable. Right. Well, remind me, the people that have stayed here have lost their marbles. Uh, that's true. So we That's, probably don't want to drink it. Probably mostly due to the birds constantly screeching. Or um, if there's something in that and water. These, and the sea of damn crabs. I, mm -hmm. I see well, another crab in my life. <laughs> there is there is something to consider. Uh, when you're talking about medically people going crazy, you have a lot of seabirds here, and the, the seabirds are defecating on everything. And... That mixture with fresh water uh, is a, a nightmare for bacteria. So uh, are, that could drive somebody crazy. Aren't the crabs mildly poisonous also? That's what they say. There's lots of things. I, I brought this up earlier before you got here that there's lots of things that are mildly poisonous that people eat anyway. 
and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they're deadly unless you eat a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but in any case, I'll I'll get my kit and we'll uh, we'll take a look at uh, the water under the microscope. You've been standing there for a couple of moments chatting. Um, Beverly does feel a uh, tap 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 on her boot as there is a inquisitive crab staring at what it thinks might be a meal. It looks up at I, you with its I, uh, kind of stork eyes. I shoo it away with my foot. It quickly scutters Get off to out of here. one side. You quite literally shoo it away. <laughs> How big are they? Oh, they're, they're fairly big. They're probably about two hand span across. Oh, wow. Good mm -hmm. size. They'd make a nice meal. I mean, except for the poison. <laughs> yeah, apart except from the, the aside, aside from the toxicity, it'd be great. And still, the the ever present squawk of the birds. Some looking down at you from the uh, from the coconut trees, looking very uh, indifferent. Others on the ground, giving you that kind of look of you come near my nest, and I'll I'll, I'll just shiv you. How close is the uh, is the rig to moving that rock? Did uh... Did that accident happen to his hand right at the very end of it, or were they just sort of in the middle of it? Still midway through. Uh, they think it's going to probably be the best part of the day for them to get it set. By the time that they're going to be ready, it's going to be so close to sunset, it's not going to be advisable to be anywhere near that rock, considering the rats will come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter, if you want, come with me. I want to show you something. Sure. So when we get back to the camp, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to show Peter uh, the footprint. I uh, uh -huh. I suppose that Beverly told you we found some prints of something very strange. Um, I made a plaster cast. I didn't want to tell the crew because they're, they're sailors. They might be superstitious. But what do you think of this? And it's a fair larger than human web-toed flipper foot. Um, I don't know what to think of that. First thing that would come to mind would be a mermaid, but... Well, I mermaids mean, usually don't have feet. Feet, but... exactly. Beverly seems to think it's some sort of an ocean creature that's common off the coast of the United States. Yeah, she said something about Innsmouth. Well, there's a lot of prejudice in that area, especially towards the people. Um, that are less developed than the, the others. Right. Um, people with the Innsmouth look have always been considered uh, fishy, if you will. I think she might be way off, but it's definitely something. I, I put it at maybe 300 pounds and seven feet tall. I mean, is it definitely bipedal? Could it be some sort of Sea no, it, no or... it's definitely bipedal. We we had there was quite a trail that we followed, and I I covered up the trail because, you know, I don't want our sailors to all just jump on their ship and go home. And leave are you are you all? And I tap my uh, I have a revolver at my waist, just in case. Oh no 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 no! I uh, I don't carry a gun, but um. We, we've, we've thought of that. We all have arms nearby. We can grab if we need to. Well, I, I never carried one around, but there was this time in Borneo, and it was, it got, that's another story, but. Um, you can't be too careful. We might be more, 
in danger from the crew if they panic. I told I, them that there might be treasure behind that that boulder, you see, but I think there might be something else, a, a tunnel. I think that's where the creature came from. I look, I look around like, uh, you know, even though it's just us, I look around and I'd be like, be honest, I've, been, I've only fired it a couple of times, at, you know, shooting at some tin cans. So I'm not even that good with it. But I'm you curious, know. how far can your airplane fly on a tank of gas? Oh, it flies, blah, 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 blah. You know, I tell you exactly. I, I personally don't know. Probably not far enough to fly us out of here if we, yeah. Uh, no. You'd be lucky if you get about halfway. Well, Beverly says about three, four hundred. Beverly says that there was something on the ship that uh, that she thinks as the same creature that we found the footprints on. Like I say, seven feet high and three hundred pounds is bigger than us. I do have the uh, the sea landing on it, the pontoon landing. So it's not like we would crash into the ocean if we had to fly to the level of the, but would just be bobbing in the middle of the ocean. We could be easily pushed over or drowned by the waves if there were right. waves. But I mean, I have flares, you know, signal flares. So why do you think we'd need to hightail it out of here like I that? I, I just want to be careful. Um, well, if it's going to take all day, we might as well do a little more exploring. Uh, did she tell you about the sharks? started to and that's when i poked my head into the cave by you guys we found the bodies what? of three sharks dragged up onto the sand possibly by the sea people and they were drained completely of their blood were, were they dragged like you saw footprints or were they just beached we saw footprints didn't we yeah we saw footprints see that disturbs me because who's going to drag a, a... How big were these sharks? They were hammerheads. They were big. Tiger. Tiger sharks. They were tiger, tiger. sharks. They were a little smaller than hammerheads. <laughs> I've always... I should probably know the scientific name of those tiger sharks. <laughs> some nasty things about tiger sharks when I was in the Bahamas. Oh. Well... Beverly says she also found the, the the building with all of the crosses. Oh, she did. Yeah, Anything it's not that big of an island. You can walk around it in a while, in a bit. What is it like eight miles? Seven, eight, about that kind. Uh, all the way around, yeah. Um, well, let's. I don't know. Let's do some more exploring. Let's get get the the others together. If the if sand we, thing is very odd do need to take off on the plane. My biggest concern is, and I point to the birds everywhere. I said, that's the my biggest danger. I, when they said there was a lot of birds, I didn't, I mean. Yeah, I don't know how you could do it. That's our biggest concern. Because if they go into the props, that'll wreck you, that'll wreck your airplane. That'll take us right out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get back to the others. Let's get back yeah. to the others. Find, uh, find nurse. I never can remember her name. <laughs> Jillian Leon. 
One of the guys on the boat had a bad sunburn and she was attending to that. And I oh. think she was going to come meet us. All right, good. Well, when she joins us. Let's, let's go back, though. Yeah, no worries. Indeed, uh, Del Nurse Leon, who will join us eventually, um, is still in the same hut that she's got set aside, having put a tarpaulin over the top of it to make it almost like a, a small sick bay. Um, still has your badly sunburnt uh, member of the crew in there that she's applying ointment to and making sure that he's in plenty of shade and getting rest and he's well hydrated. Um, there's still the remnant smell of your plenty of your projectile vomiting, even though she has cleaned it up as best she can. There's just the smell still lingers. Um, but yep, there's still the occasional crab that wanders through the wanders through the base the base camp, uh, gathering underneath the underneath the huts. Plenty of birds that are watching indifferently from above, and as per the captain's orders, you've got at least two of them that are moving around keeping an eye on the ship and keeping an eye on the base camp and generally making sure that there's no signs of trouble after someone tried to get on board last night. But otherwise, yeah, nice, nice and calm here. Nice and relatively peaceful other than the, uh, other than the birds still squawking and the occasional peck at your feet. The crew are interested, obviously, to see how things are going uh, for those that aren't doing their duties, so they'll, they'll kick up some small talk. Sounds like Pete has a question. My plane, can it, is it being put together? Do I have to lead the team to put it together, or is there a crew? Yeah, there's a crew that will follow your instructions. Uh, they, they basically look at it and go, well, it looks like a plane. We know how boats operate, but we haven't got a clue how to put this thing together. But you can instruct them as to what to do. They're not stupid. It's just that they, they need supervision right, right. to understand what they're doing. I'm wondering, uh, I you know, to the rest of the guys, I'm wondering, and girls, I'm wondering if I should put the plane up and at least have it ready in case we need it for anything. The question is whether you're even going to be able to take off and land with all the birds. Uh, as as the pilot, this is definitely you. You've already identified there is a hazard here, and it's just the flock of birds that are swarming around the island. It's not a thick cloud of them. And from seeing how they react on the ground, if you go over to a near, one of the nearby palm trees or coconut trees, give the tree a swift kick or make a loud kind of, ah! then they will take to the air. You think the sound of the engine would be enough of a hint for them to get out of the way. Right. So there is a chance that you can get off without causing much, if any, injury. It basically just means that the, the target number for your piloting role is going to be a bit higher than normal. And also, since it has the pontoons, wouldn't I be able to coast it along the ocean a little bit and then take off? So you'd you'd be easier coasting along the lagoon and then and then flying up because it's uh, it's more stable water. There are certain parts around the island. Again, it would be easier to come in landing like that going out you're going to be potentially hitting quite rough uh, rough waves coming in at you but again that just will affect the difficulty number it doesn't mean that it's impossible well my my thought behind this whole discussion is if i could just have it you know lead the crew and put it together and then have it docked in the you know the, the most calm place for now in case we just need to get up in the air that way we don't have to, oh, we have two hours to put it together. And... 
the calmest place would be this side of the lagoon. You moor it up, and then it's just going to sit on the relatively stable water inside. All right, so unless we're going to go investigating anything, I'd like to at least get this boat uh, plane up and, up and ready. No worries. As you say, that'll take probably a couple of hours to get it put together. You've got enough manpower to do it fairly quickly, so that's that's not an issue. All right, so I'm going to lead that. Mm-hmm. No worries. So, anyone else want to do anything within that two-hour period? Um, yeah, just finish taking soil, mineral, rock samples from around the uh, the large rock outcropping where there's the cave and the rock. So around there, and just finish up my analysis of the of that stretch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. A lot of what you're pulling off, um, especially from the soil samples. Uh, sand and also chippings off the off Clipperton Rock itself, all confirm to your initial or preliminary visual inspection, confirm what you thought you um, the information you got last time. So this was a definitely a volcanic structure exploded eons ago, millennia ago, and that it's been rolling across the seabed ever since. Um, still relatively intact. You are pretty certain there is no volcanic activity here and there hasn't been for a long long time um, but nothing bizarre or unusual springs to mind when you look at these samples certainly nothing that can account for why blood does what it does here also did i uh did i take a look under the microscope to see what the water looks like mm-hmm. yeah you can do uh, where do you want to take it from? Um, I'll just go to the edge of the lagoon mm-hmm. uh, near the camp and uh, take it from there. Okay, yeah. So for the fairly shallow part, um, parts of the yeah. lagoon, so the very, the very shore. Yeah, I mean, you pick it up. There's there's maybe a little more algae than maybe you might be expecting, but that in itself isn't um, going to. Flying any red flags for you, it's just that it implies that it's quite a stagnant body of water. Um, there's evidently signs that there is overflow from the ocean every so often when they have a high enough wave or a hurricane and so on, but it is still pre- predominantly fresh water that's there. But as it's just stagnant, there's a lot of algae, there's a lot of weeds in there. Um, again, the normal, not. Uh, what you'd expect from a pond? Yeah, precisely that. Um, I was going to say, not the, uh, not a plethora. It's not like uh, swimming with life um, in there. So you do see the occasional small bug that you'll only crop up under a microscope. It's not like plankton, but Amoebas, definitely small. Amoebas, things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Nothing that, again, would flag any, any concern, but just a little bit more algae than maybe you'd expect. I'll take the, a pH level, too, to see if it's acid or base or fairly neutral okay uh, so maybe... it's water rainwater yeah that's that is predominantly what what's what's made of it okay so the, the water in there it's 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 too dark to to put on our snorkeling equipment and kind of go we wouldn't see anything would we it's there's a nice bit of sedimentary in there and they say there's a nice green tint um, you wouldn't see very far, but 
depending on whereabouts you wanted to swim out to, because there are much darker or more clearer spot, uh, pot, um, blotches in there where it becomes significantly deeper, but that's kind of on the north northwestern side. Yeah, and we don't have equipment to go deep. We're just like, we just have the, the light snorkel equipment. Yeah, if you, think... can, you can float around on top. Yeah, all right, so there's no real point then, I think, to, to go in. Yeah, I, I think that we've we've come here for a specific reason to collect some, spe well, I've come here for a specific reason to collect some yeah. specimens, but uh, so. not so sure that considering that the blood thing, that's very strange. I mean, it, it seems very ominous, but it might be something far less, it might just be a chemical reaction. But if it's a chemical reaction, it might be something that's present in the water as well, and that it wouldn't be very good for your skin. You know what I'm, I mean? I'm a bit concerned. I'm concerned about those prints you found, and yeah, leading that's... into that that cave. And I mean, there, there's, I, I'm not fearing it. I mean, it might be a, a harmless creature, but if it is, as you suggest, seven feet tall and three hundred pounds. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to risk anything with it, hmm. especially hmm. if there's more than one, you know, if there's like a family of them, I wouldn't, you know, we could scare them and th then, you know, the, the mother or father might attack to protect its kids. You almost always assume there's a family. It's very rare that you have an animal that's actually a loner. Um, yeah. The question is, is why would... There's not a particularly large amount of food on the island, unless they're eating birds. Birds, and it's very, but it's very likely that a sea creature would eat seafood, and there's ample seafood around. And we saw three sharks. Yeah, but Be Beverly, you you mentioned, uh, didn't you mention that on the boat? It it looked like something was are you correlating what you saw on the boat with perhaps these feet these perhaps these perhaps they're made from the same creatures they're let's, the claw marks they're all right the things on the boats were claw marks let's let's all go for a walk together and see what more of the island we can see and we can talk as we go yeah Maybe we could go to the, what, that north area where the water is darker, closer to the, to that edge, because that's on the far side. We haven't gone there yet. Yep, so that would be up around where the egg, as they're described, the egg islands are. That They're up in that top corner. So if you set off going clockwise around the island, you'll be covering pretty much the section that you haven't been to yet. And aside from the fact that there are more palm trees, again, the occasional patches of long grass, and then as you go around, you get back to Green Point, there's still litter and detritus left over from the mining operations everywhere. Uh, you've got some old, what look to be almost like the frameworks of carts, uh, wheelbarrows, again, rusted pickaxes and shovels. There's nothing of any immediate value or interest particularly that you find on here 
Um, but you do get round to that that portion where it is deeper, and you can definitely see there are parts in the water where it looks distinctly more blue than green. Um, one of the things to add, if you did decide to go swimming out there, you'd almost certainly want to hose yourself down off afterwards because oh, you're yeah. covered in covered in algae. But getting out into that deeper open section, yeah, you can see where there's there's definitely less weeds because it is a much much deeper part of the lagoon. Is the temperature of the water is it warm? Um, moderately. Um, it's not definitely not freezing anyway. I mean, you are a little bit further south in the tropics, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's still nice and temperate. It certainly doesn't certainly isn't cold. You wouldn't be uncomfortable, you think, but depending on how far you went down, because usually, say, the surface is nice and warm, it's uh, only so far down that it then starts to get a bit cooler. Right. There's no circulation. Mm-hmm. It's a strange, strange little island. Have any of you ever been onto an atoll before? I myself have not, so I'm not so sure what to expect. No, I've only read about the, the studies on them, but never been there myself. I've flown out to all types of islands, but I fly, I sit in my plane, I read a book, I don't really take part. I've, I've never been out anywhere like this before. Maybe it's all that's just that we're not used to this sort of an environment. Um, it looks like there's lots of detritus around from the, the mining. I guess guano mining is just basically shoveling. For the most part around here, because most of the deposits are on the ground. Yeah. Thousand, million, literally millions of years of poop. <laughs> Do we see yeah. anything interesting as we are walking? Um, as you get back round, um, if you are you planning on doing a whole lap round the island, or are you um, planning on basically Do we meeting have up? Time? We don't seem to have anything else to do. Back before dark. Yeah, if if you wanted to do a whole lap of the island, you could probably get back before or late afternoon. You'd, you'd probably have about an hour or so of daylight left before the rats. Yeah. No. Yeah. You said the rats. What? How bad well, are we talking? You, you were ill. Um, basically, where where the where the where the light from the fires didn't. There, there were rats, lots of them, and they that were was... probably hungry. Like well, we could like, just see them on the edge of the fire, but uh, were they aggressive? I think they would have been if we hadn't uh, if we hadn't had the fires lit. Yeah, not good. In any case, members of the crew were keeping watch to make sure nothing yeah. weird happened, but. If you're yeah. thinking of thinking of the rats themselves, <laughs> that's quite an appropriate top to have on. <laughs> thinking of the rats, uh, if you take a wander around this part of the of the island, you're probably going to uh, see that there are maybe the occasional, but maybe over the course of a couple of miles, maybe one or two at most, because um, they don't tend to last that long. Uh, 
carcasses of some rats that look as though they've been gnawed on by some of their fellow kind. Mm. So there are there's evidently signs of uh, vermin cannibalism that have been happen uh, been happening here. Mm. But, but otherwise, this is the most untouched part of the island. There's no sign of human habitation round on the very northwestern tip. It's purely just the occasional remnant of mining operation. There's no no sign of anyone lived here. Dr. White, where where do all the rats go? I it's a good question. They probably are underground during the heat of the day. Um, but yeah. rats rats are a really serious thing to worry about. Um, a sure. hungry rat, you know, they they'll eat literally through wood and walls to get to food. Anyone who's lived in a big city knows that. I've um, heard them even chewing through soft brick. Yeah. They're, they're tenacious. They swim through toilets up into the people's houses from the sewer. They're, they're, they're far more clever and intelligent, but when it comes down to it, it becomes cannibalism. They simply consume one, one another. It's the strongest one. That, that, of course, evolutionary makes them incredibly strong. Because only the only the strongest ones survive for the next generation. They usually eat their babies. It's horrifying. Mm -hmm. uh, did we investigate the lighthouse? There's light, lighthouse is no longer there. There's just a slab up there. That's that's when we found the. Uh, that's when we found the footprints. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we thought we saw something, but. We thought it was a person, but now we're thinking it's it's that, what did you call them, Beverly? The deep ones. That's very. Uh, I, uh, I don't I don't know what to call them. Fish people. Like a fish person. No, it's. Uh, I, we should it's, probably come up with a sign. I'm not. Name. I'm not lying to you. I hope you realize I saw I saw them with my own eyes. It's a, it's a whole. It's a government's covering it up. Ichthyandrians. So we have cannibalistic rats, poisonous crabs, and some creature that lives by the lagoon. Noisy birds. And birds. Now we didn't actually see the footprints going to the lagoon, did they? They were coming out of the ocean. But we didn't see them going to the lagoon. They went right. back to the ocean as well. Right. Let's let's give Beverly's idea some credit. And pe people have look at the scratch marks and then compare those marks to the the footprint that you cast. We 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 have you know I have a very strange and odd and nobody's looking right. An idea. I'm going to pick up a crab. And I'm going to okay. toss it into the lagoon. Okay. Um, Probably nothing, but... <laughs> I was going to say, normally this would be a little athletics test to try and uh, try and see if you can grab uh, the crab, because these things do dart around a bit. Um, don't bother roll, uh, spending any points on it, but yeah, if, if you give me a d6 roll... Six. Oh, there you go. Oh. First attempt, you grab a crab. 
the things kind of way, you know, writhing in your hand, kind of clipping away with its pincers, and then flies through the air with the greatest of ease. There's a splosh as it hits the ground, as it hits the lake. You wait around. Wait Does a bit it longer. Go under. It, it sinks, yeah. They're not they're not buoyant. Hmm. And probably a few moments later, a uh Rather, this, rather than this bright orange and yellow crab that went flying through the air, this thing trailing bits of weed and green algae. Very, if a, if a crab could look indignant, it would very much look like that. Um, coming out of the uh, the water, kind of glaring at you and scuttering off as quick as it can to one side. Small eyes. <laughs> yeah. Around here as well, if you're uh, as you're waiting around for the uh, the crab to appear, uh, you can probably do notice that amongst the rocks, in particular, you do notice that there are what look to be small holes that could be tunnels going into the um, into the underground, and likewise underneath some of the trees. It it, lad it lends credence to what Doctor White's been saying that yeah, the, the rats nest underground and then they come out at night. Dr. Carl, you said lava tunnels, didn't you? Yes. yes. Lava tunnels all over the place. Yes. Yeah, it could be. They, these little, yeah, could let out into even larger a network of them. Listen, I mean, everybody that I talk to about this island, they all bring up ghosts. Like, people have seen ghosts here. Or sailing past, they've seen ghosts. Well, what if they weren't seeing ghosts? They're just seeing these silhouetted humanoid figures in the darkness that were anything hey. but ghosts. The ichthyandrians, yeah, that's what we should call them from now on. Ichthyus from fish and andros from man. Fish man, ichthyanthius. Perhaps we'll name this after you, doctor. Oh, we can't because you're... We'll name it after somebody. Something with Roosevelt in it. That's what I was ah. just thinking. Oh, he would like that, wouldn't he? We discover a new species and call it Ichthyandrius Roosevelti. That would win us the prize. And then we could go to the Galapagos, where there's a whole nest of new animals to look at. So well, time is slowly passing. The sun is going overhead through this nice clear sky. Um. Well, unless we encounter something, I suppose we're just going to keep going around the island. Yep. Eventually, then you will reach back to Greenpoint, uh, where you found the sharks. No one's cleaned up the bodies, so they're still there. Uh, again, a bit more eaten away by crab and bird. So the the carcass is definitely proving a nice little feast for the uh, the scavengers here. And um, there's again signs that rats have been at them in the night, but otherwise, as you approach, there's just this carpet of birds over the top of them and crabs nibbling at the side. As you get close enough, the same thing happens as it did last time, that you disturb them and they fly off into the sky. The crabs dart, uh, dart to one side. But if you go around them, then certainly you can avoid them. Um, as Peter hasn't seen them before, and I don't believe you cleaned up the footprints here, you just cleaned them up at the rock, right. um, then there will be signs of these well, be large webbed feet coming out of the, out of the water from the sea and then you see? Yeah. Yeah, coming yeah. in parallel. It looks like, when you point them out, it looks like two sets of these feet carried each shark 
uh, feet, um, kind of their tail end first, so their head pointed back towards the ocean. And then they were slit underneath. And you can see there's bits of what hasn't been eaten anyway, bits of entrail that have then fallen out through these three or four massive gashes down their belly, but not a single drop of blood anywhere to be seen. Doctors, do you know what it was it uh, a definite tool that cut them or it's was a pretty it... clean cut, yes. A knife. Well no, it looks it looks like look, there's there's five slots. Oh yes, yes. Claws. The same as uh, Beverly saw on the on board the ship. Mm -hmm. Um this is Beverly, I see why you're um a little disturbed over this. This is actually seems to be very peculiar situation. Ritualistic. They might be intelligent, maybe primitive intelligence. Yeah. Maybe we can communicate with them. No, as I, as I said, they were living in a they were living in an American town. Right. Uh, if if they're the same things as Beverly thinks. This is this is outstanding. This is if if true, if this is related to what you're saying was in uh, Innsmouth, then uh, this this could be dangerous. Then, depending upon their temperament. I think we should all stay paired up for now and let's not get the sailors worried because yeah. now I'm actually well you can see why I wouldn't tell the sailors yeah the sailors are slightly concerned because of the boarding action that happened on the ship last night but you said they thought they were grappling hooks hooks that's right just curious curious fishy villagers Oh look, there's Jillian. Mm -hmm. Yep. As you as you start coming round past the uh, past the sharks and continuing on down that length of the length of the shoreline, you do come back to Clipperton Rock. So going going past the huts where Beverly saw the uh, the scrawlings in there as well. And yep, there's Jillian uh, currently uh, putting the last bits of bits of bandage around the first mate's hand. So that he's not bleeding all over the place now, and tending to a couple of the small cuts and injuries and so on. When, 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 real quick, when we pass that hut, mm -hmm. I want to take the knife that's in the wall. <laughs> okay, yeah, still there. So, yep, you can pull it out. It's kind of wedged in there fairly tight. There's a reason why it hasn't fallen out yet. But yeah, you can you can get it out. The blade's slightly rusty, but still still usable. Good choice, Beverly. An un an unlucky dead man's knife. <laughs> he survived. He's just he's insane. Still alive, in fact. Yeah, he just lost his mind. Uh, um, call that lucky. Uh, Jillian, Jillian, how are you doing? Uh, sorry, sorry, gentlemen. I've been very, I've been very busy dealing with uh, the crew. I'm sorry. So in your medical yeah. experience, do you know anything that causes blood to um, to to transport itself? Something that attracts blood or absorbs blood? Almost drawn, yeah. Mm. Almost magnetically drawn, but there, not. There seems uh, to be a very odd effect on this island with the sand and the blood and the rocks. So you're saying, uh, hang on, you're saying blood 
being like moved in the sand or well i've already demonstrated so i don't want to cut myself again anybody else peter um sure why not here um, take my pen knife just just a little bit a couple of drops watch what watch what watch what happens yep he squeezes out a few drops they land on the sand and then it's the weirdest effect it's because if it just gets sucked into the sand and to the point where there's not even a stain left. As it's the first time you've seen it, you can give me a stability roll, please. I need to do that too, because I technically... Oh, no. Yeah, I never rolled before. That's a good point. So, yes, this is now that you're seeing... Especially with it, you're being your own blood this time. <laughs> do, do we all take it? Because I'm starting to realise this is in three separate locations on this big atoll. So this isn't like an interesting phenomena at the rock. It's this massive area. Um, I'll let you, you can certainly make that conclusion, but I don't think you need to worry about making a roll for it because you've already right. had the stability hit. Fine. So total of three and total of four doesn't get you to your target number of five, being a mythos oh. shock. So that's three points of stability each that you lose. Oh, wow. This is amazing. This this is it's the entire island. The entire atoll has this phenomenon. There has to be some sort of capillary action. Peculiar. Some, sort of... some some people would argue that some blood may have a mind of its own, but not like this. No, there's something seriously wrong with this place. It's the sand. I I agree, and it it doesn't seem like it's a geological phenomena because we've got different over there solid rock that goes down over there's sand gravel and it's got deep fissures i mean we've it, it's not identical so something something's going on here well I, where, where, where does it go i mean over by the rocket you said it traveled underneath that boulder but we're way out here where does it go does it head towards the rock let's find out if you start to triangulate it uh, to try and work out what path it's going to, it does look as though it goes into or at least towards the rock in every instance. What so, is up with that rock? So you're saying that it's been to the rock, it keeps going to the rock, and this, it just drops a just gun. It's that's uh, maybe, maybe it's like, it's like feeding on the blood. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's that's not something I've seen before. If you I believe mean, in superstition, there are there are plants that absorb, you know, uh, they're carnivorous plants that uh, they absorb the rotting nutrients from animals. But this is an island with, and it keeps going to a rock no matter how far away it is. Uh, specifically, the hole in the rock that we're trying to open up. Wait a minute here. So now, now, Beverly, so if these fish people are one and the same as what we think might have gone up into that cave, do you know, did they have anything that might uh, uh, draw blood? Would, would, does that relate uh, to any uh, story you've heard? Not, no, no, I, I don't know anything about that. Because that's what's 
both what well, that's what's in common the rock has the cave with these tracks of fish people going into them and that same rock is where the blood's going to so we've got this is lining up here both very bizarre we we have to get in that cave now, we have to move that i have rock. a question right something dr wyatt wyatt said before you said it was almost like a, a ritual like the the, the well, sharks the sharks it definitely looks like some sort of a religious ritual right now if my memory you know, my my schooling. I remember they would the, the Mayans. They would bring a, a sacrifice up to the pyramid, and and take its heart out, let the blood drip down. Now, if if these fish people are real, they would they brought the sharks as an offering to the island. No, that wouldn't be unusual if they believe the island is a living god or something. Uh, you know, that's. They probably think the palm trees are gods too, and the uh, yeah, but, the ocean but we, pond. we all saw something that we can't really explain with the the sand absorbing the blood. But that's true of every scientific thing that we don't know yet. I'm not saying it's magic, but it's something. Magic is just science that we don't understand yet. I I, I concur with that. But there's definitely a very strange phenomenon. You know, quite honestly, I don't think it would be a good idea to go walking around barefoot yeah. on this island. Yeah. Um, there's, I, I'm, I'm thinking of another silly experiment, but it's one that I'm reluctant to do. Um, crabs don't have the same kind of blood that humans have. They have a cyanetic uh, blood. Um, people call it blue blood uh i would be interested to know if the same reaction occurs with crabs but then again i don't want to kill a crab i'm, I'm good at flinging them but i'm not well, so good I, at killing we them. should we need we need to get back to camp i mean there's less and less crabs for you to kill i mean it's the sun it's yes we, we're going we're, we're walking real quick i like that idea and if you break a crab's one of the arms off, it'll grow back. You're not killing it. Let's let's test this before we go back. Um, yeah. You can do it. I'm I'm very reluctant. I'll see if I can put my life. foot down on onto a crab to keep it from moving. Okay. Enough Give me an athletics roll. Here you go. Oh, you got a shovel. Yeah, just yeah. Where? Um, under general. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, crab assault is under general. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific skill. Not many people have that. I I'm at it with a, a nutcracker. I rolled a three. I have an eight in athletics. Okay. Um, three isn't going to be enough to cut it. Uh, it's. It means that essentially, rather than having to burn points on it, that you end up chasing around crabs for about five or ten minutes until you finally grab one. Okay. And then you can... You can do horrible things that the RSPCA would definitely object to. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, so you, you end up snapping some legs and then seeing what happens. And yeah, as uh, as Dr. Wyatt said, they don't really have blood per se, but the liquid that does flow out from the legs hits the ground 
and then get sucked in. So it didn't do that with the with the water. I'm gonna is there a coconut on the ground? I wanna break open a coconut and try they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. So it's no. not iron. It has nothing to do with the iron then. And with a coconut that reacts the same as water, I'm assuming. Yeah, just lands on the ground. Living like creature, like blood, like life. Something with water. nutrients in it. The, 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 the... Yeah, but coconut water is nutritious. You don't spit on the ground. If you spit, that just lands there. You don't feel like throwing up by any chance. I wonder if it would consume that. Oh, let's keep walking, please. Good God. Mm -hmm. You get back to the camp just as they're starting to light the perimeter fires. And you've still got about half an hour of daylight left with the with the little diversion and uh, running around after crabs. So you've arrived plenty of time before the sun's gone down and plenty of time before the rats come out. But they're still lighting the fires before that. All right. Most of our answers are going to be answered inside that cave tomorrow. I want to be so. as ready as possible. I hope so. I hope that we're not visited by our primitive friends from the sea. Perhaps I, we should I, place a watch. I'm worried if there are there is a watch in effect. The captain set one up. Yeah. We were I, we were going to explain things to the captain, but then he hit his hand. No, that was the first mate that hit his hand. Oh, but we were distracted, so we never did talk to the captain. Nope. And there's already men out there on that ship, I assume, watching it. Yeah, he put two guards on the ship, I believe. Yeah. I think we should bring him in on this. Otherwise... Um, I believe I might sleep in my plane tonight. I slightly regret building it now. I If these there are fish creatures and they did scratch up the boat, which I didn't, sorry, Bev, but I did not believe that earlier. I think I'm going to stay in my cockpit tonight. And the, the creatures on the ship, they weren't there to sabotage it. They were looking for food, most likely, right? We, we don't know what they were doing. Once again, food. There's there's an ocean of food around food. us. Yep. Yeah. Sharks are edible. They're delicious. They might just be as curious about us as we are about them. Maybe our presence on the island caused them to bring the sharks like an offering. Well, maybe, but there's also been other people on this island before. There's been outposts. and But the people haven't... Uh, they... They what? They committed. Uh, they went crazy. Saw ghosts and saw ghosts. But uh, it wasn't like there were wholesale slaughters of expeditions here. So I, I don't think these fish people are are wanting to to attack in Thank such a so. manner. They're probably very shy. Um, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to make the, all all the entries in my journal and go to bed. Yeah. Oh, very well, weird. Okay. So sounds like then people aren't. You, is anyone staying up particularly late? 
uh, Jillian will, because she's a little bit, she's trying to get her head around the blood a little bit, because first time seeing it, she just wants to think about it, think about anything that maybe she's heard of before, that kind of thing, trying to think back. Yeah, okay, so you're, you're doing a lot of introspection and trying to yeah. ponder on things. I'll go to bed early. I want to get up really early, fresh, and, and be right on top of getting in that cave. That's got the answers for us. I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, the stability rolls that we did. Mm -hmm. If we lost three points, did we lose three points of stability or sanity? Stability. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did. Once once your once your stability go, starts going below zero or below, that's when your sanity becomes a jeopardy. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sanity is the measure of how human you are. <laughs> stability is how how basically you're holding your shit together in the short term. Now, I'm not going to stay up particularly late, but I'm like probably many times over, I'm going to stay in my cockpit, but I'm not going to get super relaxed and comfortable in a pillow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay there. So if something happens to move or I hear, I'll be up in my, you know, I have my flashlight in my uh, lap. No worries. Yeah, you do maybe over somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock. Um, you do feel slight wave, as if there's motion, definitely in the water, uh, definitely in the water of the lagoon. Yeah, you you poke the uh, the light outside. Um, you can see waves coming across across the lagoon, probably picked up by the wind. But yeah, just it's noticeable because it rocks the. Um, I was going to say rocks the boat, rocks the plane. In that case, if anything, gently, go rocks you off to sleep. I'm probably staying up later than anybody else. <laughs> okay, so you're staying up with uh, maybe Jillian. Uh, keep uh, you two keeping each other company. So then the other three not off to sleep. Sleep embraces you in your dream. The experience is disjointed and confusing. You're flying over the ocean. Panic grips you. You have fled your home, trying to escape a growing feeling of danger. You push onward faster and faster, the clouds parting around you, the seas rising in your wake. The world shakes. In terror, you realize you cannot outrun the cataclysm. Your father's screams echo to the four corners of the world, and he sinks beneath the waves with your brethren. It drives you to the brink of madness. Uh, falling from the skies, you try to focus. A shattered mountain rises from the waves. You hope that if you land there, you can sleep and rest until your father rises. You see your terrible shadow cast upon the waves below, gargantuan, bat-like wings that extend outward, head enshrouded by tentacles that writhe and grasp at the sky. You awake, screaming. Your stability test. Yep. Now, remember, if you want to spend points if, uh, to modify this to get that target number of five, you roll beforehand. Uh, you spent two points, you got six. Okay, spend, so... Hmm? Spend the points before you roll, correct? Yeah. I'm going to spend three. Okay. I rolled a six. <laughs> okay, so I, I spent three. But you still lose the points. Correct. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Did Dr. Wyatt spend any? Or did you just make I the did. Roll? I spent two and two. I got and I got I a four. Keep... 
I need to keep track of how. Oh, your total of four. No, I got a total of six. I rolled oh, right. four and I spent two. Right. And Dr. Marshall. Spent two stability, rolled a five for a seven. Okay. So you uh, you managed to stave off what would have been a seven point loss if you'd uh, if you'd not hit your five. <laughs> how do we get Dr. Um... Jillian? <laughs> but yeah, you you still wake up. Um, Beverly and Jillian. Now I need to find some way of attracting Jillian's attention now. <laughs> Jillian! Jillian! Come back! Jillian! 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 There she is. Jillian! <laughs> there we are. There is this. Um, you're both um, you're both still awake, but around about maybe midnight, maybe half past twelve. There's just a sudden wave of screaming that erupts over the camp as various people wake up um, from what seem to be just nice, peaceful sleep. They've either fallen out of hammocks, sitting bolt upright in their sleeping bags, screaming. And Wyatt, Richardson and Marshall are amongst the ones that scream. Oh, Dr. Wyatt, what? what the hell? Oh, horrible, horrible dream. Bizarre. All, all of you, what, what, Marshall? Uh, what's, what's happening? God, do you need me to check you over, you guys? Oh, horrible! Well, it's Such odd a... that we all dream that dream at the same time. Did you have the the dream of, of flying over the ocean and yes. what? And then and the, the... I wasn't myself. I was something else. Wings. I just remember wings. And tentacles. And oh, tentacles. Sinking ah. below the sea. And my father. I could not escape the cataclysm. What? What kind of dream is this? How? How do we all have the same dream, though? I don't. Know. It's not possible unless. Unless I'm dreaming now. Something is projecting it into our our brains from somewhere else. Well, I'm very much concerned now. How did you sleep? I haven't gone to sleep. I haven't either. Oh. Well, how did you go to sleep and see if it happens to you? I want to make sure you are okay. I need to... I marked feel... down the time, the exact time. I feel a little less stable. You have a look right. at your wristwatch. You think it's about called um, now you shine a light on it. About uh, twenty-five to one in the morning, so twelve thirty-five. Was it around it? the same time yesterday that we? No, uh, that was kind of more per periodic through the night that people thought they, they thought they were being watched, and for Beverly it was just all night. Uh, having uh, it's been up the whole time. Well, now I have to use the restroom again, so I'm going to go relieve myself. But now I feel very uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, as you go off to uh, use the use the restroom, you can give me a sense, tr a sense trouble roll. And Peter, as he's shining his light out into the lagoon, yeah, it's still, um, still a bit choppy in the lagoon. I... I got a three. Check my I checked my revolver and just to 
so I know that even though I know it's loaded, that reassurance click. No, it's all good. Which case for Dr. Wyatt, because it's got certain things that make it easier to spot in the middle of the night, you do notice something. Way off towards the north from where you are, in fact, actually more slightly to the northeast, so on the other side of the island, you can see lights. I'm going to go back um, and whoever is sharing the same room that well, I guess we all are. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I think I see lights on the island. Somebody come with me. Sure. What are you talking about? Let's go see. I went out here to relieve myself. See over there on the other side. Yeah. Well, that's not far from where the, uh, the lighthouse was. Do they look like glow or do they look like flame probably more the bit brighter than flame if anything you think probably electric lights and oh. but if anything given the given the size of them you think they're probably actually beyond the far shore they're out to sea on the other side of the island but that's not where the boat it, is no it's well it could be a boat it definitely looks like it's but far it's not our oh it's your your ex behind you yeah. it's peter's ex arriving probably to the national geographic people mm -hmm. perhaps well, it's nighttime i was thinking that i must have some sort of telescope or a binocular in the cat in the cockpit yeah I'll you would have you can still I'll see. see i'll see yeah, if i can you zoom on in and yeah, you can see the lights along the the edge of what looks to be a two-masted schooner, very similar to your own, with a bathysphere that's illuminated oh. by the light on the um, on the deck. So we'll deal with them uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I tell you, yep. we claim any treasure we find in the tunnel. <laughs> it's our discovery. Yeah, it's the wicked witch. <laughs> The Wicked Witch of the Northeast. I look around. Is there any other creepy shit going on around out to sea? Or how are the lights on our ship? Ah, uh, the lights on your ship, when you have a look back over there, yep, they're still on. Still seems to be moored in the same place that it was all of yesterday. Do, do we see the two guards kind of walking around on deck? Yeah, if you if you put your binoculars up, yeah, you you can see there's definitely people moving around up there. I'm going to do it, like a, a quick little walk around our camp. Um, if if Peter wants to see, I'll show him if we can see any of the rats on the edge of the, uh, the light. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, if you take a little wander uh, to the perimeter, you've got the light from these nice little bonfires that they've got set up that extends a few feet out into the dark. And then staring beyond that out into the darkness itself and out towards where there's just the sound of the ocean occasionally you just see these two little glints of a pairs of eyes looking back at you and what seems to be almost the outline of wrinkling of fur glistening Rats. off the off the light yeah keeping 
keeping just out of reach of the light, but just forming this carpet that extends into oblivion. That's a lot of rats. Mm -hmm. And they're we could hear them, right? They're squeaking or rustling. They're rustling over each other. I mean, over the din of the ocean, it's hard to hear them squeaking, but you can you can hear the there's just this carpet move. Now we can all go back to sleep. We sleep quiet. This is why we're having such horrible dreams. <laughs> yeah, as you start to go bed down again, you hear there's definitely commotion amongst the crew because a load of them have woken at the same point. You hear this you know, discussion of what the hell was that? How how can we have all had, had the same dream? What what does it mean? What what the hell was that thing? And this discussion goes on well into the night, well well beyond the point where you finally do drift off into sleep. Yeah, How long do Beverly and Gillian go? As be... long as I can. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same. Okay, well, Gillian probably lasts a little bit longer because Beverly had hardly any sleep the night before. So eventually, just sheer constitution is going to give out, and you are going to uh, you are going to fall asleep. It might not be totally restful, but at least it is some rest. Um, Gideon say probably goes into about four in the morning. At that point, has to get um, has to get a head down. And you're probably all going to wake up roughly when the sun starts coming up. Bear in mind, it's uh, kind of the heat will start rising, um, especially inside the plane because uh, it'll act like a greenhouse in there when the sun hits that. The birds and start making noise. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, you're going to start be uh, splattered if you're out in the open by uh, birds that start relieving themselves, and just the squawk and the sounds. And yep, it's a nice early morning back on Clipperton Island. Well, now when we go out and look, can we see the 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 National Geographic boat closer? Oh yes, they've moored or oh, they've dropped anchor. Probably about a mile offshore. Uh, they've they've well they haven't shown any signs of getting boats off the side and coming into um, coming into land. They've they've definitely parked out by the reef. So they they don't look as though they're intending on coming close to the shore. But then again, they do have a bathysphere with them. You don't use those on land. I thought perhaps they were going to use it in the pond, but uh, in the lagoon, but mm. maybe not. So what, they showed up about two days later? Oh, depends on how far they were behind you, but you definitely delayed them. <laughs> well, let's uh, take our way back to the rock and see if we're going to move that thing this morning. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's. I'm very intrigued by it. If blood is somehow being attracted to it, I want to find out. I want to find the source. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. As you're starting to get your stuff together and the captain's doing rounds, say everyone has breakfast and so on, um, he starts assigning duties of roster to say, right, you, you two guys together today, you're going to do this, you're going to circuit, uh, keep the camp occupied, you two are going to relieve the guys on the on the boat and so on and so forth. He does come round to Wyatt and Marshall as the two academics in your group and does sort of wave morning with a, uh, with a smile. Uh, gentlemen, I think you've probably noticed that we've got some visitors on the uh, the other side of the island. I just want to know, uh, what do you want us to do about this, if anything? 
Well, we claim uh, whatever we find at the rock, it's ours, not theirs. Um, they're probably doing what we're doing. They're just surveying things and looking for specimens. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But, uh, Captain, we need to discuss some things with you before we go on any further today. Okay, he kind of not puffs himself up, but definitely straightens himself up a bit. Uh, what's the matter? Well, unless anybody else objects, I'm going to basically tell him everything that we think and suspect, and it's odd. And we didn't want to frighten his crew. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe we should wait till after his crew opens the uh, cave entrance. Because if he spooks, then we don't get entrance to that cave. That's got all of our answers, I'm almost certain. Well, I'm thinking that we can't be completely selfish. The fact is, the captain is in charge of his crew. We can't make decisions, life or death decisions about his crew. Yeah, it's not <laughs> life or death. It's, it's a 300-pound it's a, a fish person that's probably terrified of us. I'm thinking that the captain simply won't tell them. But then it'll be his his decision. Okay. Right? All right. <laughs> I will defer to you. You're you're more along uh, the, the biology route than I am. The captain that's out on the sea might even be able to enlighten us a little bit. Yeah, he might have his own stories, but Okay, all right. Let's go for it. Okay, so you have probably half an hour or so explaining everything to him. And yeah, Captain Captain Emerson just nods throughout this. There's there's a few moments like, yeah, three hundred pounds, seven foot tall fish man, um, where his eyes open a little wide in something that resembles a look of skepticism, putting it Romance. politely. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, he just he nods. He lets you say say your piece, and then by the end of it, he just that's a that's a mighty fine tail you've got Hand there. Up your knife, Malcolm. Oh, we don't have to demonstrate. Just just it's we just wanted you to know, Captain, so that you know we're not that you know, and you you have a decision to make whether whether you enlighten your men to it. But no, oh, no, I heard I heard some of the the weird. Like this whole blood thing that you mentioned, uh, because my first mate told me he was he was there. He he saw it. Right. So he'd already he'd already told me about that, and I thought that was a little um, weird to say the least. But you're corroborating this. Basically, you you were there at the same time. Um, I've I've been on the ocean for. A lot of time. I've I've worked as a merchant seaman for for decades. You you see things, you hear things. I mean, I've heard stranger. <laughs> Believe you or not, I've heard stranger from some uh, some sailors. I've got an open mind. Um, I personally haven't seen anything like this, but like I say, I'm willing to believe. And I also know how superstitious some of the younger sailors out there and some members of my own crew how they potentially react to this 
I'm not going to start spreading tales and playing Chinese whispers or anything like that. Right. Um, I I don't think anyone here needs to know anything more than what they've seen so far. A lot of them seem to be preoccupied with this shared dream thing that happened last night. Hell, even I... He kind of twitches slightly. Even I thought I saw something that I can't explain. But... As I say, I don't want to throw... I don't want to throw gas on a fire unless I have to. So let's... Let's keep some of the finer details just between ourselves, eh? Yes, we will, we will say anything. Hmm. But I understand you also want then to get into this, get this rock moved. Yes, out of curiosity. Uh, there are rumours of treasure. That, that may be all that they are, but if there's going to be any place to hide treasure, that would be the place. How many of my men do you need uh, or want to help move it aside? Well, they've got all the rigging up. I think it's just a matter of moving it now. Mm-hmm. I guess um, four or five should be plenty. Yeah, you think from looking at it before, you think it's going to be a five-person job mm-hmm. minimum to move that thing. Just double-check. I'm fairly sure five is your number. At least five participants. So if you wanted to, you could indeed do it by yourselves. It can't hurt to have a little extra muscle because oh, yeah. you, you guys need to coordinate it. I'm not a muscle person, so... Mm-hmm. Beverly and, and Jillian are not muscle people either. So hey. we, do, we, need to, we do need some crew. Of course, I imagine some of the crew are quite eager because they want to. I'm oh, a yeah. very muscly person, if you don't say so myself. <laughs> yeah, Julian and I will help. <laughs> now, now, ladies, let the men do the lifting and... No, 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 no. Uh, no, we'll, we'll show you how to do it. We're a little early for women's liberation. <laughs> we got the right to vote. Damn it. <laughs> it's what, two years ago or three years ago? <laughs> hey, well, this is in the 30s, so, you know, like 18-ish years ago. You still vote the way your husbands tell you to. I'm not married. Oh, well, then the way your boyfriend tells you to. <laughs> I don't have a boyfriend. What's wrong with you, Dr. Wyatt? It's almost like you were born in the 19th century. Oh, wait, you probably were. Uh. <laughs> All right, let's get out there. Uh, let's see how modern there. girls do things. Let's go, Jillian. <laughs> yes, let's go. Okay, so I'll so grab just... my full geology kit because there's so much to see and do. And a flashlight. Now, I asked the captain uh, if they, they, you know what a bathosphere is? Yeah, it's like a diving bell type now, of thing, isn't it? If they were going to, you know, the ocean and the, the depths around here, they have one and they're probably going to go diving. Where would they be setting that up in this area? Would you know? Well, it depends on how deep they want to go, I guess. Yeah. Um, I imagine if they're parked where or they've dropped anchor about a mile off shore, they're probably going to be surveying the coral reef. But again, it depends on, depends on how and, far down they go. And that's on the opposite side 
from us, correct? It's right. all the way around the island. Hmm. Okay. Just like you, they you they and you both are, um, both approach from the northeast in the first place, so that's just the natural landing um the natural arrival point. But they've just decided to anchor there rather than come round to see you. All right. So, are you taking any number of the crew with you? Just take at least three of the crew. Oh yeah, three, four, something like that. Okay. Well, think about it. You're you're not lifting. My hands can't get damaged if we need to fly out of here. Bring up just bring the complement of five. Bring five. Okay. Well, in which case then it's uh, going to be down to do you want to assist them or are you going to let them be the ones that do uh, do all the heavy lifting? Oh, I, I'm assisting them, all right. I yeah, am I'll also ass assisting. I'll We're assist. going to let the women do the assisting. <laughs> okay, so just Beverly and Jillian, you're the only two that are gonna uh, gonna get involved, along with the five crew. No, I'm I'm going to help, but I okay. I can't help much. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll help. We'll all help. Okay, so it's just just Peter that's not then by the sound of it. As you say, you don't want your hands to get. Yeah, I just you know it doesn't make sense for me to move a rock when there's hired hands to. You know, I got to shake the president's hand when I get back. I'm not, I can't be in a cast. No, that's very true. Okay, this is what's called a cooperation test. So, who wants to lead? I will. Okay, so Beverly can spend as many points of athletics as you wish. I will spend four points of athletics. Okay, so four. Now, Dr. Wyatt, Dr. Marshall, and Nurse, uh, Nurse Leon can also spend points of athletics. All but one of the points that you spend each will add to Beverly's role. So if, for instance, if Dr. Ma uh, Dr. Wyatt wanted to spend two, that would be an additional plus one to Beverly's role. Um, likewise, if you want to spend three for Dr. Marshall, that would be an additional plus two, so on and so forth. You get the idea. So... Does anyone else want to spend any points of athletics? I'll spend two. I'll spend four. Okay, so that's a three, a one, and a one. So three, one, one, five. That's an additional five on top of Beverly's roll. The crew will also spend two each. So that's an additional five. So you have a plus 14, 14 I think. Give me it a roll. It takes two to move the rock. And I roll a one. <laughs> okay. Well, well, 15. Still, still a 15. And I said the difficulty ranges between two and eight. So it's it takes a little bit of time, but it does start moving. The sand crushes and compacts the way that it has done when it's rolled aside before. And you inch this thing roll in a rolling motion until it is completely clear of the entrance. And there is indeed a, what looks to be, from the geologist's eye here, a lava tunnel that goes pretty much in and then descends down into dark. Is there any sort of mechanism on the inside that looks like it's set up to move the rock? Sheer brute force. That's Wow. What so these 
fish people are really strong. That that's what I was gonna ask. This rock looks like it was placed here. It's not a natural. Correct. Mm -hmm. right. It's not of the same rock as the rest of the. Right. That's yeah, one we of these actually, things can move it by itself. Did we actually oh ever see the rock moved by the creature? No. We assumed that it was moved by the creature. Given the way it, the footprints are arranged, given that there are some what look to be scratch marks of where they've grabbed hold of it and then rolled it to one side, you can make the assumption that they moved it. And looking at those scratch marks, are they all over the rock or just in this like one little hand grabby area? I'm trying to ascertain if if just one grabbed it and moves it and usually grabs at the same spot or like there's five or six of them grabbing everywhere. Do you want to How spend a you? point of geology? Sure. I'm going to spin. Yeah, I'll, I'll spin it right here. Okay. It's geology minus one. Okay. There's definitely the two patches where you can see that it has been grabbed multiple times over a long, a prolonged period of time. It's hard to say whether it's one set of clawed hands that do it or two sets. I mean, there are two definite areas, but you're not too really sure whether there's two sets of claws that go on either, either area. That's always on the outside. So it's not that someone goes in then they roll it back while they're still inside. They leave it open when they go in. Okay. But on the other side of the stone, on the other side of the boulder, you swear there's some patch patches that look like acid burns. Something that has something that has burnt the stone. That's mighty bizarre. Look here and here, Doctor. That's Is that the usual volcanic rock. Um, yeah, this this isn't normal. Yeah, that's yeah. I've never seen anything like that. On. Well, do we have our lights? Our, um, you you say that it goes off into the dark uh, and it goes down at a what about it goes, what? It goes like, at an angle, so it's almost like a spiral staircase going down. Hey, and is it? Sorry, no. what angle? I mean, is it dropping like thirty degrees or is it dropping like forty-five goes, degrees? It goes down probably somewhere in the region of 35 degrees, so it's okay. fairly steep. But also, it is well-worn. This is like looking at the steps of a castle where there has been footfall over a long, long time. It's worn smooth, but there are almost step-like indentations that go down. Is there a place to secure a rope up here? So we could kind of use it to help keep from... Yeah, the, the framework you've got set up is very very sturdy oh perfect so i'll i'll just tie up the, the the 50 foot rope and and is it moist uh going down there no no okay everybody oh. pose for a picture real quick immortalized yeah all right who wants to go first, Beverly? I, I'd happily go first. I'm, I'm probably the most the familiar with this sort of. This is, this is evident. I mean, I've been looking for this my whole freaking like for years. Well, let's let the geologist go first because he knows what to watch out for. I will follow just in case he falls and hurts himself. I'll be right behind him. Excellent. So with the rope secured, I'll flashlight and start descending. 
Looks like Peter had a query. Um, just to backtrack, because I wasn't here for when they first looked at the rock. Hmm. There's actual claw mark scratches in the rock. It looks like there's definitely areas where something has scratched on it at roughly uh, five points that could resemble claw marks, or at least something scratching against the stone anyway. Now, the, thank you. The question for Marshall would be, how, the most test on this rock, how hard is it to scratch this? It's basalt, so it's going to be... Is that what it was determined? It's basalt? Yeah, it'll be part, basically, you think, part of the... You think it's probably been hauled up from somewhere quite down the mountainside or the volcanic slope and so then brought I, up. If I took a like a nail and went to scratch it, can I put marks in it or is it take strength to scratch With, with a bit of effort, probably with like a with a hammer it. hitting the nail. Hammer, right. That's okay. I'm just trying to get a grasp on. Okay. So these claw marks are very sturdy and substantial, not flimsy, not like a human fingernail, but more, more yeah, like right. a like a talon claw. But also multiplied over hundreds, maybe thousands yeah. of years of exactly grabbing the rock. As you're starting to descend down, um, you hear one of the crewmen um, kind of not yell, but definitely kind of. He's pointing towards the direction where the where the National Geographic ships pulled um, anchored, and you can hear him saying something to one of the other crew because the crew aren't going to follow you follow you down. They're quite right. happy to stay on the surface. But you can how, see him pointing what, towards the how ship. How big is the tunnel? The tunnel itself is probably a little bit smaller than your average corridor, so it's probably closer to about five and a half foot rather than six or seven foot tall. Um, it's slightly narrow, and it's um, it's an, narrow, a, a circle, a tube, like an oval. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, you can hear as if you start descending down, you can hear what seems to be the conversation of the crew saying it looks like that uh, their rivals, as they're calling them, are just starting to lower the uh, the bathysphere off the edge of the uh, the edge of the ship. Mm. Now, Marshall, is this? tooled out or is this a natural lava flow would i be able to tell with the light I, I should be able to tell yeah it's it's the latter so it is definitely natural but the fact that it has been worn down smooth into into almost rough steps and when i say rough i mean they are still smooth but they're not regular right. they yeah. are irregular steps that go down um, this is passage of centuries of footfall yeah, yeah, this is this has been tread. There have been for for a very long time centuries of uh, of going up and down here by footsteps. It could be uh, where our fish people might be or pirates. I don't know. Well, see if you can figure out when we've crossed the water line. No. Can we guesstimate? I've got a fifty foot rope, so does that. I guess what about ten feet to get down to where it starts going down, and then are we up about forty feet? Or no, you're fairly, fairly, almost ground level. Oh, okay. Only about five, maybe five foot at most above the waterline, um, on the site where the cave entrance starts. 
God. Um, your, your 50 foot rope, um, if you follow the worn tracks, um, there are various areas where the tunnels branch off. Some of them are small, some of them are a bit bigger than the, um, than the lava flow that you find yourself in. But none of them look as though they've been trodden, or at oh. least anywhere near to the extent that this one has been. Um, that's rough floor and it looks completely natural formation. If you continue to follow just the smooth tracks, you go down about 50 foot and you you, you run out of rope, but the tunnel seems to level off at 50 foot down. Interesting. All right, well, I guess I'll let go of the, the rope and descend with the flashlight, kind of trying to get a good best landing spot. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll assist whoever's behind me to land safely. But to keep a lookout for any kind of primitive uh, markings, uh, if these creatures are primitive and they've used this as some kind of a ritual chamber, then maybe there's symbols carved into the walls or who knows, stretch marks. Take a, any... take a picture of everybody at the bottom of this. Oh. Point. Okay, yeah, the sudden flash uh, of light. Uh. <laughs> okay. But yeah, at that point, so you're at the, the end of the rope, but at least it seems like you're, you've gone down as far as you're going. It's now that it looks like this tunnel snakes its way, you think, going under the lagoon? Under the lagoon? Hmm. I thought the lagoon was 300 feet deep. In parts. In, in parts. parts. In parts. Interesting. Well, let's keep going. Does it open up at all, or is it still remaining about the same size tunnel? It varies because it's it's natural. So in some certain areas it becomes wider, certain areas it contracts. But you can give me a... Well, for all of you, you can give me a sense trouble roll as you're moving through the tunnels. I'll spend two points. Mm -hmm. I just rolled a two. I got a four total. I got a six. Okay, that's good. That's good. I rolled a one. <laughs> two. Uh, Dr. Wyatt? I, I got a two. Okay. Right, in which case then, everyone seems fairly oblivious, apart from Jillian. Whereabouts in the group are you, did you say? Are you fairly right near the front? Or? Right behind uh, Carl. Yeah. Okay. Almost at the front, then. Yeah. Yeah. There's various tunnels, as I said, that go off at different angles. I mean, some go down, some go up, some are straight up, some are straight down that you have to avoid. But every so often, you think you hear almost the sound of rushing water, almost as of water flowing through a pipe, is the best way to describe it, and <coughs> the occasional dripping sound. For the, for the first couple of times, you think it's just, well, we're probably under the lagoon. It's almost certainly that it's just water coming through from the lagoon. But after about the third or fourth time, it's almost as if you think that the flow of the water is following you. That this gushing sound is somewhere off in the dark. Sometimes it's maybe or just on the edge of your hearing as if almost like this pipe is running parallel to the direction you're taking. But 
yeah, you can't seem to get shake the feeling that you don't feel like you're alone down here. James, Marshall, just be be careful. Right? Well, I'm being very careful. It could be slippery here. No, I think I keep hearing what, like a, a gushing sound. Like it's weird. Is it moist at all here, or is it still dry? Still dry. It's still dry. I feel like, like there could be flowing dry. water. Are, are we oh. talking bone dry, or like relatively dry? Uh, not bone dry, but pretty darn close to it. Okay. All right. So the the chances of of a tide coming in here is is. No, we're like we're under the down. water line. If if there was any access to the ocean, yeah, it would have filled this a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. Oh, and, for, and with everybody stopping to fill the walls, I'm going to take another picture. Just mm -hmm. just be careful, like, please. I I I just don't think we're. I don't know. I don't think we're alone. That's what. You might be right. It it might be one of those uh, one of those things we saw the tracks of. I don't know how you guys can't can hear anything. Oh, close now now that they've stopped, you can't hear the flow anymore. It's almost as if the water has stopped flowing. Um, Mal Malcolm. No, why, uh, Marshall? Continue walking for me. Sure. So with the flashlight, I'll go steadily forward, not in a rush, taking it easy, just making sure each step's secure and safe. Do so I you, hear anything? You think you're probably about probably 80 or 90 foot under the lagoon by now. And as Marshall goes forward, yeah, Jillian can hear that much slower now. Marshall, but stop. The water just slowly flowing forward. I keep hearing this flowing water when we're moving, but when we're not moving, it's not moving. It's probably an echo. Uh, the air in here is tight. You're probably hearing an echo of our. We're we're displacing air as we walk along. We must be causing vibrations of some sort in the air. Maybe maybe that's what you're hearing. You're you're the scientist here. I'm just. I'm I mean, just I can that. hear the atoms of air hitting my eardrums right now. It sounds like. That's. I'm just no. a nurse. I don't really know much of them medical, but I don't know. I just got, I, I've got an intuition. I've got that, that gut feeling that something's not right. Well, Marshall's a few feet ahead of you by now. There's maybe like a ten foot gap between where he is and where the rest of you are. And Marshall turns around to have a look away from the group down the t down this again, following this tunnel where the floor is nice and smooth. And for a moment, you think, hang on a minute, what's wrong with my torch? The light ahead of you is green. And then it's, you realise that your torch is pointed down to the ground. There's some green light somewhere ahead of you that you can see coming around the corner around a bend in the tunnel. Okay, I'll, I'll turn my flashlight off. And, and, uh, uh, it becomes more intense. Yeah, guys, there's, there's a light ahead of us. It's a green light. Oh, God. Does anyone see it? Or am I, is it just from my position? Do we see it? You're kind of blocking it that 
if the others got close enough to you, then and kind of peered around you, then they would see it. So uh, as I, I'll kneel. So I, I reduce my profile by fifty percent with the flashlight off. He has a green halo around him. You can see that definitely <laughs> there is light from in front of him. Are we are we near the where the light from the surface can get down, maybe, or could it be a luminescent algae? There's a way to find out. Yeah. My, I like to keep just, going. Just be careful. I'll stay behind you, Marshall. The air still smells okay. It doesn't smell musty or... No, it smells fine. Okay. Go, go carefully and slowly. That wouldn't be uh, the lights from the submersible, would it, by any chance? That's still a good no, mile and a bit yeah. away from yeah, it. Yeah, that wouldn't have closed the gap that quick. But it could be somehow light coming from up above. I'm not sure how it would get in without filling the cave with water. And it is morning. You got, you know, sunlight, strong sunlight atop. We'll see. I have a. I'm curious about something. The mm -hmm. blood. Down here, where does it go? I don't know. Do you want to prick your finger this time and find out? Here's my pen knife. Oh, you got your own pen knife. Now this one's a bit rusted. Uh, yeah, use this one then. Mm -hmm. Okay, small cut. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of drops bleed out onto the ground, and it rushes forward almost like a uh, like a ball bearing rushing towards a magnet. Goes straight past oh. Marshall and dis uh, goes straight towards that green light. You can see it bend round the corner, sliding round, uh, sliding over the polished stone. Did it hit the ground and move, or just take off in the air? Yeah, uh, no, it hits the ground and rolls. Oh, okay. Like Mercury. Yes. All right. Yeah, th this is very dangerous. If 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 blood's going to be drawn like that, if any one of us gets seriously injured down here, it could drain our blood quickly. Well, it's not. It's not pulling it out of my cut. Right. Okay. Only when it hits the ground. Only when it hits the ground. Okay. All right. Here's your knife back. Don't touch Dr. the ground, Doctor Wyatt, with your hand. So I'll cautiously proceed to see if I can look around the corner to see what this green light's all about. This is fascinating. Okay. You emerge into what looks to be a small cave, probably not much larger than the one that you came through up above. It's maybe about eight foot across, um, eight foot square, roughly. But it's like stepping into a geode. You've got crystals that come off the walls, off the ceiling, but the floor is this nicely polished surface. The whole thing, apart from the far furthest wall, which is just an immaculate flat surface that looks like polished obsidian that is just black. The light comes from the series of these crystal outcroppings that come off, say, off the wall and ceiling all around you, that they are glowing this pulsating green. They culminate in a large shaft, almost like a cone of crystal, which comes down from the ceiling, roughly in the middle of the room, and points 
at something that for a second you think it's almost as your eyes get accustomed to the light in here that you think it's someone squatting on the floor but then you realize it's a statue it's a statue of something that is part octopus part bat part humanoid with its arms above its head its eyes close above this tentacular mass which goes down its front and dripping along the edge of this cone of crystal are just little drops of blood that fall one by one by one into the bowl that this thing is um, you're holding above its head seeing even seeing the visage of that at the visage of that statue is a stability check. Yeah. I can only spend one point because I've spent two. It's zero anyway. <laughs> okay, I will... Uh, I'll spend one. I got six. This is a mythos okay. check? Yes. Uh, it's a it's a stability check. If you have the Cthulhu mythos skill, you can always no. use that. But there no, are no, costs. No. So. I don't I think I have the Cthulhu that. mythos. I'll, I'll do a couple. Two points. I got a seven. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Anything five and above three. is good. I got three. three. A modified three. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm I'll go around and ask how many points people spend then as well, because I need to keep track of how many people points of spending. So, Doctor White, you spending one? One. But you still hit over five. I got five. a six. I rolled a six and I spent one, so I got a seven. Okay. Richardson. I spent two, I rolled a five. Okay, you're fine. Beverly? I spent one, and total I got a six. Okay, fine. Marshall? I spent two, and I rolled a one <coughs> for a total of three. Okay, so you're going to lose an additional three. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm so close! And Nurse Leon? I spent none and got three. Okay, so that's a three-point loss for yourself as well. Uh-oh. So okay. close. Yeah, I know. I'm very, very close. Stability's so close. <laughs> any, any loss or a success or no? I'm good. No, success is all. Um, the only time you would lose stability if you succeed is if you were seeing a god, because they have minimum losses. Yeah, Even creatures good. don't have... Um, minimum losses. They have extra losses, but not minimum. Can I spend my point of Cthulhu Mythos skill? You certainly can, if you wish. Let's do it. I'm okay. taking a picture of this as well. Okay, you take a good old flash, and you illuminate this statue in the room, and from the little snippets of what the people like Dr. Wyatt and uh, and Co said last night, suddenly some big penny drops for you. You remember talking to some of the guards and trying to get as much information out of these people that had interacted with these fish people in Innsmouth. And you remember some words they threw around about like the esoteric order of Dagon and their very strange ritual beliefs that they believed in the sleeper or great Cthulhu that forever dreams in his house and relay. Cthulhu wasn't alone when he came to Earth millennia ago. He came with his greasy spawn or 
creatures that were referred to as Zophians because they came from around the star system Zoth, otherwise known as Star Spawn. They resemble their father. Malcolm said the word father as if he was almost experiencing maybe the memories or dreams of one of these things. You have the distinct, uneasy There's feeling that you are probably... I run. You well, you cross off three stability for the revelation uh, for the revelation yep, and, and that one drops me, that drops me to negative two <laughs> and one sanity as yep. well. I book it without saying anything. <laughs> okay. Just go white as a sheet and I run. <laughs> Beverly and, turns and she runs. And there Beverly, she goes. Be careful. Be careful uh, Beverly. Not uh, Beverly. What? She's I'm obviously ready. going to vote. <laughs> Oh, oh she'll sorry. make it out. She'll make it out. All right. Wait, Look at Dr. these fascinating minerals. Here. I got to pry one from the wall here. Yes, we need some, some samples of these. Better not hurt ourselves. It causes them to oh. glow. I want to have to deal Dr. with another injury. Dr. Marshall goes forward. Um, I'm going to guess if you're wanting to get one that looks like it's fairly, fairly good and easy to get. You notice there are a couple that are small around by the edge of the uh, kind of like that black wall. Yeah, sure. I'll go over there. That seems like a reasonable place. Okay. That one um, looks particularly easy. This is going to be fantastic. Just as you're popping one from the wall, um, you get within about three or four foot of that black wall, and suddenly it's not black anymore. That you can... Beverly's getting ahead of me seeing the, uh, the messages there. You will have to make one of those in a second. Um... You see the wall just becomes colourful. It's almost as if someone turned the lights on outside. And you can see that the wall is made of water. You can see shafts of light coming down from, a, um, from the sun as it's just starting to get high enough where you can see beams going through, um, through the water from the shore, illuminating what looks like to be a portion of the bed of the lagoon. So there's a small kind of hump a little way out but otherwise your your view here is framed nicely by seaweed then the bed of the lagoon moves almost as if a tree trunk like appendage ripples and that bulge that you see there opens to reveal an eye which is half rolled back in the size of a head that extends further than your field of vision can comprehend the eye itself is probably the size of a small truck. Can I have a stability roll from everyone apart from Beverly? Because she ran before she saw it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we, can we spend? Oh, you can certainly spend, yes. Just let me know how much you're spending. So I'll go around and then get results. So first of all, Dr. Wyatt, how much did you spend? I spent three points. And I rolled a four, so I got a seven again. No further loss. I spent, I spent three, three and rolled a three, so I was six. Okay, or, no further I, loss from you. Yeah. Dr. Marshall? I rolled a modified two. Oh, not a I, I didn't add any. I, I didn't add any of my one stability point left. Ah. Okay, you can cross off seven. Set so <laughs> one stability and then the rest are into sanity. Oh, so you, so um, you you dropped no, no, the negative no, 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 no. you dropped the negative six, which 
is a shattering loss. You lose two points of sanity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And then, Jillian? Two. So that's, you've spent two and then on nope, your roll. I, nope, I just two. I didn't spend any. Okay, and that's another seven from you. Right, we then get to the lovely part about how you are shocked. <laughs> so, mechanically, you've got a few impacts. Because you've gone below um, zero to minus five, you are in a state where you can't spend investigative abilities at all, and all your difficulty numbers for general abilities increase by one. And we go for mental illness once you get from minus six to minus 11. That was such a fascinating specimen to collect. A geologist's dream. Oh. Biologist's dream. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's hit negative six, so who knows how his brain's working anymore. Yeah, there's, there's a series of options uh, here that can affect characters when they get below, I would say, minus six and below. Things like delusions, um, homicidal mania, megalomania, multiple personality disorder, obsession, paranoia, uh, phobia, selective amnesia. Uh, for the sake to keep this rolling, um, I'm going to go with phobia, that you have this intense fear of octopus because you are looking at something that the statuette is part octopi and you think you're looking at the eye just magnified several thousand times larger of something that looks like a, an octopus with a face that is just vast and buried in the bottom of the lagoon. This dreaming eye opening. But as we've reached a total of 64 points of stability that you've lost across the group or spent across the group, this thing ain't dreaming, this thing's waking up. And you can see that it's starting to writhe and starts almost to try and force its way up out of the mud at the bottom of, of, of the lagoon. Uh, let's get out of here. Ah! Ah! Yeah, you're, you're making you're making like <laughs> you're making like Beverly and getting the hell out of here. Um, Beverly, as you're running, um, you can hear this sound of rushing, dripping water all around you that's in the dark we'll let your uh, your use of the cthulhu mythos skill ride here because you can almost hear the voices that are starting to emit from the mouths that are forming from this watery or protoplasmic mass that is slowly forming either side of you forming words that almost sound like tech 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 plea plea and you are rushing on do you want to give me a fleeing roll to see if you can get the hell out of there before the shoggoth forms yeah, yeah. So, I'm. You know what? Screw it. I want to live. I'm spending. I'm spending uh, six points of flame. <laughs> okay. So that gives me a roll of nine. <laughs> you, you do your best Jesse Owens impression. Um, you run straight ahead until you find the uh, find the end of that rope, and then you start taking the steps two at a time, coming back towards the surface and shoot past the sailors, which are in uh, which are uh, milling get around. Back having, to the damn ship! We gotta get out of here. <laughs> right. Uh, the next person to run was Doctor Girl Doctor Marshall. So, um, as you're starting to run into the dark, you can hear this sound of it's almost like people or something talking in the tunnels and e echoing all around you and 
what seems almost to be like arms in the dark which are trying to reach forward around uh, reach around corners to try and grab you but they don't look like they have fingers they just look like tendrils or almost worse for your phobia almost like tentacles um do you want to give me a fleeing roll oh yeah and if so I how will... many points do you wish to spend I'll, i'm gonna dump them all into it all four plus this amazing roll of four eight okay again you are flying darting around these things before they as they're still forming and you suddenly find yourself back at the end of the rope and you're just pulling along it trying to get yourself back up to the surface um what are the other uh, three of you that are left down in the cave doing as soon as i saw marshall run i would have gone after because i am scared for his safety <laughs> okay and peter i've been gonna take once everybody's running i'm just gonna start running also makes sense dr wyatt Dr. Wyatt's been to the aquarium. Um, I haven't suffered any huge losses of any kind. I'm standing in front of what amounts to a glass wall, looking mm -hmm. out into the thing with a giant eyeball. I am terrified, but fascinated. And I'm just standing there awestruck watching it as it okay. begins to, I'm, I'm not aware of any danger. Behind me, not yet. Okay, in which case, then uh, Peter and Gillian can give me fleeing rolls. Um, I am going to spend six points of flee, <laughs> that gives me seven in total. Okay, I spent three and I rolled a five. Okay, so you're both that's an eight and a seven. You are as a group then kind of one is beverly shoots out then marshall shoots out then jillian's out and then peter's out and you're all above ground running the hell away as you can see waves starting to ripple across the lagoon as something titanic is moving under the water and yep dr wyatt cephalopoda titanicus that's the <laughs> name that i'm going to give this thing Matt, I'm going for my plane and I'm yelling, I'm getting in the plane. Who's coming with me? And me! I'm... Me! Yep, I, I run. I run with Peter. I guess I'm I'm, I already grabbed the sailors to hike it back to the ship, so I'm way ahead of everybody else. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Let's go. Dr. Wyatt, as you are the lone person stood down here, um, you do hear in the tunnels behind you this kind of weird sounding it almost sounds like a voice but it gets further and further away from you almost as if it's chasing a whole load of people which are going uh, going back down the tunnel the way you came sounds almost techily something but just goes off into the distance you as you watch this thing you see it start to right say pushed down two monstrous claws into the bottom of the lagoon and then slowly start to force its way up and you slowly lose sight of the eye as it rises up. Um, those of you above the, um, above the ground will see this, the wave start to force aside as the back of this monstrous thing starts to break the surface. One wing shoots out as it fully extends, blotting the sun and does cast a shadow over the whole island. Another one shoots off and comes out the other side. 
as this thing, which is the size of a skyscraper, starts to force its way up. Beverly's the only one that hasn't seen it directly in the flesh yet, so you do need to give me a stability roll. I gotta spend three points. Okay, so push yourself further down, but... Slowly digging into the negatives here. (laughs) Woo! That's a nine. Okay, so you don't take the further seven, you just take those, uh, those three. And you are, it sounds like you're all trying to make a uh, leg it as fast as you can back towards, um, back towards the plane. Yes. Except right. for me. So yeah, you, you are down <laughs> below. Um, the only threat that Dr. Wyatt suddenly starts to feel is that somewhere above you, that one of those claws moves and then comes down hard above you. Uh, the cave shakes and some of the crystal starts to fall out of the ceiling causing you to narrowly or having to dodge out of the way. Right. Um, I think I might pick up a couple pieces of the crystal and put it in my pocket. And um, um, the little statue, is it something that I can actually grab and move? Well, when I say little, it's about three foot tall. Oh, yeah, Um, that's too heavy probably if it's made out of rock. It's like a huge garden ornament. There is a chance you can move it. But you would have to pass an athletics roll, and then you're going to have to carry it 150 feet back to the surface. No. I think it's worth preserving, because I think that this creature might cause the uh, the tunnel to collapse. I'll spend two point, my last two points of athletics, and that only gives me four points. Uh, you're kind of dragging it, then. Um, you realize that yeah you could you can move it but you are going less than walking a walking speed oh, it'd be an awful shame to leave this artifact we've we've just discovered a new species cephalopoda titanicus <laughs> wyatia <laughs> wyatia um but i'm going to try it i'm going to keep going so i'm going to as long as i'm not interrupted i'll i'll drag it out well the you see, there is something in those tunnels that's going to try and interrupt you, especially as it's one of its commands is to attack those that try and remove the thing that keeps the sleeper asleep. Um, you have an inbound thing crying, particularly. Uh, you can, well, your choice. Do you want to stand and fight it or do you want to try and flee? <laughs> well, wouldn't it be between me and the exit? It's coming at you from the sides. It's not actually coming at you from directly ahead. Um. I think that I'll drop the, the statue and run. Okay, give me a fleeing roll. Flee. I feel like a flea. Uh, I'll spend all four points of my fleeing. Mm-hmm. And that gave me nine. Okay, you, you exceed the target because the target was eight, considering that you were dragging this thing for a bit. It was all or nothing. You leg it just as you see these tendrils start to come out of the dark around you, trying to pull you into the side passages. And you run to run because your life depends on it. And when you get to the surface, there's no one left around, but you can see the rest of them getting close to the uh, getting close to the uh, nice little ship, which a nice little uh, seaplane, which has been pushed towards the shore because of this skyscraper-like thing rising up into the sky and blotting out the blue above you. So I see the thing in full glory. 
Oh um, yes, how incredibly marvelous! <laughs> Do I have to roll again, or I've already seen it once? No, right? you've, you've you've made your you've made your roll for it. You don't roll again in quick succession well, like that. So I, I, this, I, the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that if it's going to bring down a tentacle, I'm not where it's bringing down the tentacle. You're you're basically keeping out of its way by the sound right. of it. Sounds like the rock's probably pretty stable, so I'm going to stay in the mouth of the cave unless I can see a place where I can. Run. No, that, that sounds like a good uh, good idea. In fact, from your vantage position here, because you can see um, a good panorama over the over the island, you can see the unfolding chaos that's uh, starting to ensue. And off on the corner of your vision, you see the uh, the other ship, the rival, the National Geographic ship, that docked. And it's it's almost like watching something that's been put next to an ant's nest, that there are figures clawing their way up the side of the ship. And you see the arm that was positioned to draw the uh, draw the diving bell or the um, the bathysphere up and down. You see that just as it snaps and gets pulled under the waterline. And the ship starts to list to one side as just dozens upon dozens of these figures start clawing their way up the side of the ship coming out of the water the fish people and starting to come onto the shore a little way down near where the where the sharks were and wave after wave of them from a hundred if not more of these figures coming onto the shore and then starting to divide and form into two groups that then start working their way around the island but they're still on foot. They're a good mile away from you. Um, yeah. All right. If there's a clear passage, I'm going to run where the others are running. Okay. That will count with your fleeing roll, so that you're able to um, you're able to let your nine ride, as you effectively okay. are carrying on your same trajectory and running like hell. The rest of you get to the plane. As the waves have pushed the uh, pushed the seaplane and its uh, floats up against the edge of the lagoon, uh, the crew around you um, in the base camp are petrified. Some of them have fallen to their knees, uh, just screaming, looking up at this almost just growing thing that is coming out of the lagoon in front of them. Um, others are, ro um, are just running out to sea and then trying to swim their way back to the uh, back to your own boat. Others have gone down the. Um, gone down the wharf and are trying to jump into the 10-man rowing boats and are going back out um, going back out to the boat that way. But it's panic and chaos. No one is sticking around to find out what the hell is going to happen next. They are all on, on the vote of we are leaving. So Peter gets to the, um, the uh, seaplane first. You can get in. Uh, I start on push Push on the pontoon and jump on, and I'm gonna start getting the, the props moving. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you start you start whirring her up and getting the engine revving. I think the others are all jumping on board as well. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a good push for you know three or four lunges forward, and then I'll jump on board. Yeah, I will also assist and then jump on. Okay, so. I'm probably okay. quite a ways behind them all, though. You are quite a way behind. And I was, and I was ahead of them with the other sailors, so I'm probably on the on the rowboats trying to get back to the ship. Yeah, if, 
you're the, you would have been one of the first to head back. So yeah, you're heading straight towards the uh, straight towards the boat instead. Definitely going to take a minute or two. For, I'm flipping switches, getting the thing started. So yeah. As you've got it all ready and you've got the prepared, you've got the engines on, you've got the engines whirring. This thing is rearing itself almost up to full height. You can see the kind of the waist of it now, as it's definitely got these two legs that have um, that it's trying to rear on up. It screams, and almost in an echo of uh, your vision last night, your eardrums almost pop at the sound of this thing because it's like a million foghorns going off at once, wow. as if the whole earth shakes with the sound of this thing. Um, you can give me a spot hidden roll. All or spot hidden? Anyone that's at the plane, so that would be Peter, Carl, and Gillian. In sense trouble? Yeah, uh, don't have to worry about... Well, Beverly can make the roll if you want. But is that what it is, spit sense trouble? Yeah, uh, Malcolm doesn't need to make it because it's actually about you. Okay. Oh, okay. Spot. I just didn't see spot hidden. Oh, oh I have sense trouble. That's sense, trouble. sense trouble. There it is. Okay. Damn, I would have spent points. I'll put a oh, you point can do if you into want. it. Yeah, I'll put three points in, so I got a five done. I'm not paying attention to Malcolm whatsoever. And two, I got five as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So Beverly's single-minded. You're on. You're on one of the ten-person longboats, go frantically rowing your way back out to uh, back out to sea. Um. Well, definitely one. Uh, definitely Peter gets it with that uh, with a seven. Um, before you elect to take off, you do notice Doctor Wyatt running along the sand, just a long way behind you. I'll look up and look at him and see if it's going to be like five minutes. I'm going to go. If it's like a minute or so, you, you think less than that. You think probably thirty seconds. All right, so I'll I'll just start turning it in the. Mm -hmm. You know, like having the propeller to turn it. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, At the same time, I want to Lord of sort of assess the scene and see if I think that that creature is going to smash that boat or that that airplane before well, I get to it. One of its almighty feet rears up out of the lagoon and then stomps down and crushes the rock, or at least a portion of it, <sighs> to the side of it. As it seems to be, it's trying to completely free itself from the lagoon. One leg is still stuck in it, so it's kind of off at an angle with one leg cocked. The other foot would come down on the other side of the island, but if it placed its hands down where your camp is, or one of its hands down where your camp is, that would give it a good degree of leverage to get out. So I'm going to keep running for the airplane. Okay. Well, sounds like Peter is waiting. Yeah. Okay. Um, in which case, <laughs> Doctor Wyatt, somewhat breathless, sweaty and wide-eyed, can be pulled pulled aboard by uh, you, by Gillian there, and then like just start start going. Okay, you are taking off into the birds here have booked out <laughs> quite a while ago, so you don't have to worry about bird strike. The main thing you have to worry about is this hand the size of a football pitch, which is coming down to um, coming down pretty much straight on top of you. Do you want to give me a pilot piloting roll? I have 16 points. I'll spend eight of them. 
That way, in case he takes another swing later. <laughs> Give me yeah. a roll. And a five. So eight. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. You take off. And right behind you, within maybe a second of where your plane was, thud goes this almighty clawed hand, destroying what's left of the camp, taking out part of the wharf with it. And just behind you, you can just see this arm filling your field of vision. What um, direction are you flying? Uh, which was the closest landmass? East. It was east. I don't remember. East, east, northeast. Northeast. Yeah. So I just start heading in that direction, and I flip on the comms, and I'm like, "Yay! Now I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." I show, and I just go through that whole thing as I. Camera, so, Beverly, Beverly, where's the camera? Where's Beverly? <laughs> Beverly's oh, not here. Oh my God! We need a camera. You can see the ro you can see the rowboats down below slowly getting their way towards the uh, towards the ship. However, um, as if you've decided to turn, which involves banking back round to head northeast, that means you're going back at least partially towards <laughs> oh, it. Listen, listen. <laughs> it's a plane. Way around. I can go up and over. I'm not going to go, you know. <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> that's the main thing that I was wondering. It's not playing <laughs> dive through get... the thing's arms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Try Whether you spinning, get close enough for it to take a swipe. Check through the equipment. There might be a camera in there. I'd say you've got cameras. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take pictures, as many pictures as I can of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just holding onto the seat in front of me, hyperventilating, staring into the back of the seat. I'm making sure Carl is all right. I'll check his temperature. I'll, I'll be... here, here we come, Galapagos. We're going to win with this shit. The, the gargantuan Roosevelt. Oh, you'll be fine. Or whatever you called it. Fuck him. It's going to be named after me. <laughs> now, we'll leave you there in the plane for the moment because part of your fate is going to be determined by Beverly. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh fuck. Because your, pla your plane has only got about a 300 mile range. If the ship can get away, you've got something that you can potentially rendezvous with later and then sail back home. But it all depends on what happens to Beverly. So, you have the advantage that you pretty much dropped and run before the star spawn woke up, or just as it was wake, just moments before enough stability was lost for it to wake up. So you have a good lead on the Deep One colony on the, on the shore. As they are still working their way around the island, the colony is on the northeast side. So you have plenty of time to get to the boat. You get everyone on board. And as you turn around, that's the point when you can start to see that there are these figures starting to dive through the waves towards you, carrying what look to be almost tridents, because you can see the glint of light coming off them. There's waves upon waves of these things. They almost like fill the sea with so many of them coming towards focus, the ship. Focus on focus on getting the ship ready. I'm going to take a rifle <laughs> that we have. Yeah, you can certainly start taking pot shots. And I'm prepared to shoot anything that starts working its way up the boat. <laughs> right, you need... You need to give me a piloting test to see if the boat can get away quick enough but you have 
couple of options. If you've got piloting yourself, you can you can take the wheel and do it for yourself, or you can elect obviously the captain to go for um to go for it, and then you can roll using his piloting skill. I will do that. <laughs> okay, now he has. Let me find his stats. He has a piloting of 10. How many points would you like to spend? Five. Okay. Give me a roll. Uh, uh, seven. <laughs> okay, that still exceeds the target, so that's fine. Wait, it's an eight for a second. It's like I saw that too. I'm just like... Oh. <laughs> he starts to pull away. Can you roll me 1d6? Five. Okay. Now that's how many other members of the crew you have with you. Okay. Now roll it, now roll it again, because this is how many deep ones start crawling up the side of the ship as a boat. Five! <laughs> right, it's not more. That's the, that's the key thing. Uh, I'm going to count this roll as piggybacking. So your success, if you get one, can then be piggybacked by the rest of the crew as they will spend their points of firearms to get the same benefit. I'm spending four points of firearms. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be against the hit threshold of the deep one as it's coming out of the out of the ocean and starting walk, uh, crawling its way up the deck. Make right. your roll. That's a ten. Not not a ten. A nine. Sorry. Okay, what uh, number did you roll on the dice? Did you roll a six or was it... Uh... I rolled a five. Ah, okay. Because if you rolled a six, then that could be a crit if you got more than five points above its hit threshold. But its hit threshold's four, so you do hit it. Now, you are at pretty much point-blank range when you let loose. And this falls under the uh, lovely little rule of uh, two combatants, one gun. So you treble your damage for being a point blank, uh, a point blank without it having a gun. So if you want to roll damage, which with your rifle is going to be da, 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 plus three, so that will be this roll plus three and then trebled. Okay. Twelve. Okay. And health on the deep one is nine. You blow its head off. There is this volley of gunfire which erupts on the ship and the five that are starting to crawl their way up the um, up the sides get as far as the railing and then the just cordite, the smell of blood in the air and the bodies fall back into the ocean. The ship at that point is moving fast enough that the others can't grab a hold. I'll ask for one last sense trouble roll. I don't have any points. Please, dice. Please. Uh, no, that's a three. Okay, that's, that's still enough. Oh. You can uh -oh. see so as the boat, as the ship starts to uh, starts to sail away, and you can see the uh, the seaplane just becoming a dot in the distance. But you, the captain is making the same kind of direction, just away from the island and following the trajectory of the plane. You cast a look behind you to see what's happening with the just these multitude of heads in the water. There's 
tridents which have been shook at you in dire desperate disbelief and rage but on the shore you see something weird taking place that you see that this huge crowd of these creatures have started to almost like turn on each other that there's pockets of them which are seem to be bundling two or three of them at a time along the shore and then trying to force them down on the ground. These, these ones that have been forced are evidently protesting. But you can just see this flurry of tridents then starting to go up and down into the ground as they're, they're massacring dozens of them. And Sacrifices to put it back to sleep. Uh, I'd say you can gain another point of Cthulhu Mythos for that. <laughs> that yeah, you're right. That it suddenly all clicks. That the blood flowing through the ground, the blood flowing into this receptacle, this receptacle of its father that had its eyes closed and was still sleeping. This thing needs blood to keep it asleep. And they are forced now to massacre most of their colony in an effort to keep it and put it back to sleep. And slowly behind you, this figure that had almost pulled one last leg out of the lagoon slowly just starts to sink back beneath the cold waves of that freshwater pit and descends back and after maybe an hour you're far way far enough away now that even just the Clipperton rock is about the only thing you can see sticking up um into the air there's oh, no it smashed the it. rock it smashed part of it oh, yeah, okay. it caught, caught the edge of it but yeah, after an hour, there's nothing to even give any indication that this thing was ever here. But it's there, and it's sleeping, hoping that no one wakes it up again. Do a little montage sequence. That when she has the, you get far enough out and start to turn around. That as your trajectory turns back towards the northeast, uh, you can see the amphitrite down below just not with as many crew as it should have, but you can land, meet up with them, and then they'll haul the plane back up and into the hold and take a wide berth back around the island to then start heading back home. A journey which takes you about the same kind of time as it did the first time. It takes you about a week to get back to the, uh, to get to back to Cabo San Lucas, and then a few more days to head back up the coast. You arrive home quite a bit earlier than the Miskatonic thought you would be arriving back. Um, the only samples that you seem to probably have managed to get back with you are actually the ones that Dr. Marshall took because no birds were gathered. The only um, the only crabs you picked up were either to break their legs or throw them into the uh, um, into the lagoon. So you've got no animal life, but you've got you've got some rocks and some oh and water samples actually. What goes in your report? And we've got photographs of photographs. Uh, Cephalopod of Titanicus. No, 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 no. We can't give the, the these photos. It's going to be covered up again. No, no, no. We're we're going to. I'm going to put together an expedition to go back there. Are you crazy? And yes, absolutely. It's just an animal. Oh, and Doctor Wyatt has one or two of the crystals he I do. put in his pocket. Yes, we must go back there and capture this thing. Imagine, imagine the money we could make putting that on display in New York City. 
right next to King Kong. <laughs> I might need to check myself into you were You were meddling with things that are far beyond us. Uh, Godzilla will have to come and save the day. And I suppose that's it. That was amazing. There's a little bit oh. of coda. Okay. So this is what this is why I was asking about what you want to put in put in your report. So it sounds oh. like from how I'm reading this that then that uh, Dr. Wyatt is giving a no ho no holes barred, honest honest account of truth of this. Yes. And I'm going to pull together uh, as many high high end biologists and oceanographers, you know, and show them my my evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Peter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work with uh, Dr. Wyatt with this. Okay. And Dr. Marshall? Um, with my stability totally drained, holding my humanity together, and I'm well into my sanity being gone, I'm uh, just sort of babbling and stuttering and like... Uh, or Dr. Marshall. <laughs> laughing. <laughs> You may need may need some help when you get back. Uh, there, there's a nice padded room at Arkham Asylum, which there they might find proud of that asylum back in Arkham. And Nurse Leon. Um, well, mainly because she doesn't want anything to happen to the others, like Marshall. She will assist Wyatt with whatever medical assistance. Mm-hmm. Cool. And Beverly. Beverly has learned a couple of things. That perhaps these things are put away and they're not told for a reason because people like Dr. Wyatt are going to go and stir up trouble that they shouldn't be. So I'm going to be putting my journalistic skills to use to discredit Dr. Wyatt, the photographs were doctored. Um, there were no such things that he discovered to try to stop any funding from ever reaching him. Interesting. Okay. So we cut forward probably a couple of months after the reports have been logged with the university. After there's definitely a stir in the, the local academic community. And of course, this is all then pushed on to the White House. Just as Beverly's about ready to start to discredit anything that would hit the hit the media, finds that the official report that's sent to the uh, sent to the White House has a lot of missing material, namely photographs. Everything is completely mundane that hits the uh, that hits the president's desk, as if someone's got hold of the the file before it was sent, and there's no sound of any titanic monster nothing about creatures coming out of the sea and it's all very sanitized which does kind of ruffle a few feathers uh like between wyatt and uh, richardson thinking what the hell happened here your ex-wife yeah well it seems like the national geographic missed out on this as well because the white house when they announced their cruise actually settle on Dr. Waldo L. Schmidt of the Smithsonian Institution to accompany them. So on the 21st of July, 1938, they land on Clipperton. 
the end result is their visit is a discovery of a variety of new species which are named after the president, including a range of fish, sponges, crabs, worms, mollusks, and a royal palm. Uh, they leave without apparent incident. But reports circulate a couple of days later that three seaplanes made a two-hour survey over the island that's only classified as intelligence purposes. And after a few more days after that, uh, Dr. Wyatt, say Peter, Carl, maybe from his uh, insane uh, room in the insane asylum is wheeled out for a moment, and Gillian um, are invited to the, uh, the offices of a man that you have all known at the university, because he's been employed there for donkey's years, wonderful man by the name of Professor Armitage, Henry Armitage, mm. who invites you to sit down and to discuss some of the photos that he's seen in your report. And that he says he's heading up an inquiry into such matters and thinks that you may have a lot to, to help him with. Whereas Beverly receives a knock at her door and finds three people standing beside a jeep uh, dressed in uh, dressed in what looked to be naval uniform informing you that they're from the OSS and that they would like to have a discussion with you about potentially joining something that they refer to as Project Covenant that deals with these certain fishy individuals. Oh, having learned the importance of such organizations, I mm -hmm. I agree. And the curtain falls, and that is where we will leave it. That's the end of the scenario. That was excellent. amazing. Excellent. That was excellent. Yep. That was great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty simple setup. It's very much a sandbox, as you say, when you get to the island. After the fall of Mu, the various star spawn that were there, they didn't just sit around on relay and wait for the uh, wait for the continent to collapse. They flew and they scattered um, scattered all around the world. And there's there's some in various fiction that you find in like the Caribbean, um, in the deep Atlantic, the rest of the Pacific, even up in Tibet. But this one flew, but didn't escape the psychic shockwave of its father Cthulhu, falling and going into his deathless sleep, and became maddened landed on the island as it as it exploded in the same cataclysm and then basically fell into what would become the lagoon the deep one colony found it and considering that they worship um great cthulhu in his spawn treated it as a god but realized that it was insane that if it woke it would just destroy everything around it including them so they built this device to feed it blood that it would mechanically keep the thing asleep the only problem being as because the starspawn communicate through dreams like their father. Loss of stability on the island is what brings it perilously close to being awake. Uh, once you reach two times the amount of stability that's been lost as there are the number of investigators, that's the point where it starts to broadcast its dreams. That's why you didn't have anything the first night, but you did the second night, because by that point, at the end of the second session, you'd cumulatively lost 12. So you then get hit by its dreams. When you hit 10 times the number of investigators, so you hit 44 when you were down at the uh, down in the cavern and then pushed it over the edge when you then saw the thing out in the water. That's when it starts to wake up. The deep ones respond by saying, we've got to kill everything that moves. We need as much blood in the water. We need as much blood on the sand as possible to try and put this thing back to sleep. 
without you and the crew there, the only option they've got is to turn on themselves and they commit ritual slaughter trying to put the thing back to sleep. And yeah, that's, you just you just happen to walk right into the right into it without knowing what was there. Wow! Amazing. <laughs> that's so, as there was a little bit of a uh, back and forth discussion we've had on the um, had on the comments for definitely on episode one. Uh, don't have to spend minutes going into it, but what are people's thoughts on Trail? Because I understand this is the first time uh, it's been run on the channel. So, how do people mm -hmm. find it? I liked it. Yeah, I did. One of the, it, one of the things that yeah. I was just going to say, it took it took a little while for me to figure out exactly how it was working, but now, now I understand it's easy. Yeah. I would definitely like to play it again. Yeah. 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 I, so I Morgan's think, uh, played it before as well, haven't you? The, yeah, I, I really like Trail. Um, the reason being, because like one, one thing with Call of Cthulhu that bothers me from time to time is say your character is a, a scientist, you know, you're like a PhD science professor in, say, biology. Mm -hmm. And the scenario you're looking in the microscope at some weird cells and make a biology role, and all of a sudden, you fail your biology. You you, you fail you fail your eighty biology role, and you're just like, well, I know nothing about biology anymore. You know, whereas this, you you know what you know, and you can use it, um, which I I really like. It's not up some certain things like that that your expertise isn't up to luck anymore. You know, is how much of it are you willing to apply yourself? I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that we've only got one dice now. I you can if you're lucky enough, you can roll two. Now it yeah. seems it does seem to me though that in this game you have to have some some sort of knowledge about how to roll up a character. Because I mean that's probably in the in the book, but how do you know how many points to give you in first aid or or conceal or psychoanalysis and things like that is it a point spend thing like uh, call of cthulhu it's point spend rather than dice roll so everyone starts with the same amount of what they call build points um this is something you can get in the like the equivalent of the investigative development phase you get extra build points to put more points onto your sheet and build up your skills i see um you all start with the same amount but it recommends in the rules that as a group you sit down and try to cover every skill possible so that you have every opportunity to gain every clue that could potentially be thrown at you. I see. Now, certain scenarios aren't going to have a use for some skills over others. Like, for instance, if I would be impressed if someone came up with a legitimate reason to come up with an art history spend here. They say that there are certain skills which just won't get used. So right. if you're, as a GM, you can think, well, I know what, the potential avenues of investigation will be in my scenario that will give you an idea of what skills you can put on sheets and what ones you don't need to worry about so that that's what i do when i build pre-gens i think well, I this is going to be irrelevant why bother with points on it and then just spend the points where you know they're going to be the most useful um, general skills are a little bit more complex that you have you have a cap of how much your highest skill can be so um, if you were to for instance put like 30 points into a single skill your next highest has to be at least half of that skill. So it then suddenly limits how you can either have like a spike that says I've got a very narrow band of where my points can be, or they can be spread out over a much wider band, but then you've only got a handful of points in each one. So you become kind of good at most things for a little while, but not brilliant at one good thing. 
So then would you say that it's it's most likely that you're going to have pre-gens for this game? Uh, for for one-shots, I think, yeah, almost certainly. You wouldn't spend the length of time to build uh, build the sheets up just for a one-shot. Yeah. Um, generally, you, you would build your own sheets if you're doing a series of linked adventures. And the, the little illusions that uh, dropped in at the end of the uh, the end of the scenario are into the bit kind of the bit wider meta plot of trail that you have what's referred to as the Armitage Inquiry, which is almost like an investigator organization, but it is something that's within the Miskatonic University that is actively going out there and researching the mythos. Hence why Armitage steps in, takes away the info from being released out into the wider world, but then brings you into his fold to help elaborate on things and to help further the inquiry. And Beverly being roped into the kind of the proto Delta Green, um, or the origins of Delta Green, his project Covenant. Um, that then goes into Fall of Delta Green, which is the gumshoe version of, sort of the Delta Green mythos. Yeah, they released, cool. they released that as a standalone game a few years back. All right, well, let's go ahead and finish up. Our players included Stuart Lively, Josh Harwood, Jason Melnichok, Morgan Llewellyn, and myself with Matthew Sanderson as the Keeper of the Secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members. You can set up private games. You can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastery. There's a link below. We're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in part and post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We also provide uh, audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the short provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month will help us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. In, until next time, good luck and good gaming.